This podcast is brought to you by Doghouse Systems, elite gaming PCs engineered by gamers and for gamers. Use code TGIF to get a free weekend confirmed t-shirt and a $30 credit for slashloot.com. Go to www.doghousesystems.com to see what system is right for you. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. We can confirm. Ignition. Liftoff. Liftoff. Welcome to your preparatory for 2014 New Year's edition of Weekend Confirmed, everybody. We are here again. I have a great cast assembled here around the mics. I have uh, my partner in crime, Jeff Kanata. I would just like to say, public service announcement right at the top. If you're not into the train wreck episode, stop listening now. <laughs> no, this is not going to be a train wreck. Oh, no okay. Train wreck. All right. I'll just going to put that no little comment in my pocket and save it for later. You don't, you don't even have a fucking pocket. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pocket on your shirt. You were like Train putting that confirmed. You were putting that. You were like, I'm gonna put this in my nipple. Watch me put it right I did, in I here. I put it in my nipple. He's like, oh, Train oh. confirmed. And we're you, watching. He's, 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 he's wearing, wearing this some more. He's wearing the same shirt and as he was in the last show as well. <laughs> Scruffy bastard. I only have one shirt. <laughs> so are you? <laughs> Still the same one. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, so it's Marcus Beer. We have Andrea Renee here. We have Jason Paul. We have Andrea. Jason. Who's that? Andrea. Is that Andrea? the right way to say your name? <laughs> she plays Hearthstone. I didn't have to keep that in my pocket for very long, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Fine. <laughs> All right. We got an awesome show th- today, though. So we're going to talk about 2014. Yeah. Obviously, tremendous amount of anticipation. Many of you probably got new consoles or fancy new doghouse system computers. Oh, you see how I did that? It's that was good. It's very tricky, it's wasn't it? It's uh, synergy. Synergy. Synergistic. So many more people to introduce. You have to talk to the microphone. There are so many oh. more people to introduce. <laughs> we already introduced them. You didn't introduce Shane. 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 Hey. Satterfeld is here. What's up? So I'm leaving it to you guys because I was talking about it in the pre-show. I said, well, we could do it by platform or we could do it by everything else. Well, what I do know is that at the end of this show, we're going to do predictions. And you guys always love the predictions. But between now and then, we're going to talk about a lot of games that are coming up and what might be tickling your fancy the most. Yes. The Witcher 3. Tickled. Really? Oh, tickled. Thanks. Fancy tickled. And I feel like then Witcher 3 is on a lot of people's list, but maybe already starting to get that like, okay, I've seen a bunch of videos, move on. Really? What? Who is saying move on? I don't. I think that people are saying that we already know what we can expect from it because it's sort of, it's sort of very rapidly moved through that phase of unknown to expected to be awesome. Wait, so would you say the same thing about Watch Dogs? Well, Watch Dogs is still yet to exist. Well, it's funny how many. Well, so is, was The Witcher Three. We got a lot of people's lists here of what they're. Predicting. But The Witcher and Three is very a, few people put Watch Dogs on it. I have to. Say. I can't believe that. Yeah. It's, it's suffering from that whole over anticipation, and then oh, it didn't make it didn't make fall twenty thirteen. Fuck it. Or maybe they're nervous about it because it was delayed. That it may not be as good as. But why would you be nervous about? it? I think that's a good thing. I, I really think that. Shane, I, you don't I'm, have monitors. You got to be up on the mic further. I, right. I'm not nervous about it being delayed. I think that what they are suffering from is that it seems like too much of more of the same that we've seen in a lot of other franchises. Watchdogs. I think Watch Dogs does. What Watch Dogs suffers Explain from? Explain yourself. It maybe. was over. It was overexposed. Watch Dogs became overexposed this summer. It, you know, it was announced last year. Everybody's like, "Oh, this is kind of cool." And then all of a sudden, it was at the Sony PS4 announcement. And then there was an event. And then there was E3. Then there was another event. And then there was more video. And we got a video a week and twenty screenshots. And look, here's another video. And guess what? One more fucking video. And how's that bad? 
because Wait, we it never came out because we would like to actually have the game in our hands to play and if you you know PR is the tease the best PR is a burlesque show it's the tease you think you you've seen it all but you haven't and unfortunately well, maybe with, that's the case you know, here I would I would equate this to almost Anchorman Two syndrome because we had this discussion Wait, but, earlier. Uh, with that, that said, do you think it fits the same thing with Witcher Three? Right, like it's being overexposed. No. It's been out. Okay, I don't Witcher think three, I don't. I don't Witcher, think Witcher Three has had two videos in six months. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's nowhere near as exposed as, as Watch Dogs was. I mean, well, Watch, well Watch in their Dogs defense, is still they, an exciting game. They were but, ramping up for a fall release that didn't happen. Yeah, and, it was just a big letdown. Everyone was psyched to play it. They didn't get to play it. Now it's just kind of falling off the radar. Once they realize it's coming out again, everyone will get all pumped up. It'll be all good. So you think it's just a case of they have to reset their timing? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Which, is, which is not uncommon for marketing. I mean, especially when you have development delays, you have to figure out how do I reset my timing. I think every game should be released like a Beyonce album. It's like, yeah, yeah. I guess what? Totally agree. We've been working on this. Midnight. We've like, been working on this. We didn't tell anybody. Like they tried to do with Half Life Two, which would have been the best release in the history of video game if they had actually pulled it off. Hmm. Diddy Kong like, Racing did that, right? For the N sixty four. Yeah. Just no, no one even knew it existed, and then it just came out at Christmas. I have been pushing that idea forever. Sally, now knowing how business the video game business works, it's just he entirely not possible. But I really would love to would see like, that. Like tell that to Beyonce, like Jason. Yeah. No, do like the texture. Like I want Beyonce. I want like Apple style. Like hey, here's the new iPhone, and it's out tomorrow. Boom! Right? right. right? Like everyone would clamor for this game, or whatever mm-hmm. game it is. Jason is happy to announce that Last of Us Two and uh, Uncharted Four <laughs> are in stores tomorrow. No. <laughs> <laughs> but Jason, the thing about my job, I didn't say that. <laughs> if they don't have those. any copies, just keep waiting. <laughs> The thing about those iPhones is that you know with each with each Apple show what they're going to announce. Yeah, it's usually leaked before. Kind of. I mean, but you, exactly. You kind of know. You know enough to know that, oh, they're going to announce a new iPhone. They're going to announce a new iPad. And you've already sort of decided. They haven't put out a video for the new thing a But bunch you of already times. know that the new thing is going to be what they're saying. You're like, oh, the September one. Yeah, but that's, oh, that's only be the new because phone. Apple has this track record of like their roadmap is always right. so public. But if, that makes it much sim- more simple for them. I mean, look at Naughty Dog, for example. We have kind of a roadmap of at least by years and in, in a sense of where someone could figure out when we put out games. I mean, people are already yeah. expecting Uncarded to happen. And just because we would go. Uncarded? Yeah. Because the they, were, they were expecting because we would go like Crash and then Crash Racing and then Jack and then Jack Racing. Oh, so, hey, maybe there's going to be on, after Uncharted 3, there's probably going to be. And the snappy Uncarded. title alone is worth <laughs> making the game for. Yeah. But let me ask you this. We were all ready to troll you and then you were like, no, listen, I have a point. <laughs> let me ask you this. No, it's Jason. for real. Uh, UFG's making it. On, honestly, honestly, there was a big deal made of the Uncharted 4 announcement, but everybody knew there was going to be an Uncharted 4, right? So it, internally, was it sort of like... It was the iPhone 5S. Well, it's it, it, there's a lot of excitement because like, okay, there's an acknowledgement that it's real, but did that really gain any traction making a big Uncharted 4 announcement? Because... Whenever Uncharted 4 would be announced, you're putting him in a bad spot. I know. <laughs> I know. You can't really answer this but honestly. No, but no, it, it was the iPhone 5S. And then now look at the sales of the iPhone 5S. They've surpassed well, everyone's expectations. But the thing is, yeah. the thing with Uncharted 4 is it's going to be go gangbusters whenever it's released, even if we had never heard of it before. Like if, if no one knew Uncharted 4 was, was a thing months in advance, it would still be a big deal. It's, it's like not announcing, yeah. announcing that it's happening at some event. I don't really even think but that I makes think a big the difference, difference. The difference is between it selling well or selling like a Call of Duty. I mean, and look, every game you make, you're hoping it sells like Call of Duty. Even though in reality, that's never going to happen. As an organization, your whole goal is pushing towards those type of sales. So, All right. Bring it back to games. 
We're on fucking games. We're talking about games. <laughs> now, you sort of slipped into sales and stuff. And it's, all right, all right. You got you to talk. Let's talk about what we're excited about. Let's not talk about what's going to sell and not going to sell. I mean, I'm, I'm listening as a listener and I'm thinking. Thanks, Garnet. No, I'm, t- I'm talking about marketing strategy. And, yeah, and hype you're talking about marketing. Exactly. You're I'm talking, talking about, about marketing strategy. This whole fucking episode is about hype for 2014. <laughs> no, no. Titanfall. <laughs> Look at that segue. <laughs> the drunk girl wants Titanfall to be talked about. <laughs> well. So. Marcus, I knew you loved Titanfall too. I, li- I like um, how you guys are talking about overexposed wait. games, and, and Andrew's like, we should talk about Titanfall. What do you want to talk about Witcher 3? I mean, we started off with this Witcher. When Witcher 1 was basically an under-the-radar, Eastern-developed PC game yep. that got a lot of critical acclaim, but did not get a lot of commercial success. Witcher 2 came out on PC, garnered a good bit of success then, then came out on Xbox, and got some audience, but now suddenly it's the darling I of think, next gen. I think that's a great thing, honestly. I, I think that's one of the things I'm most excited about with Witcher 3, is that it's sort of this organic, AAA, big uh, tentpole game. That it, that it happened based on the strength of its predecessors, rather than... Despite the fact that many of the audience that they're trying to pitch to has no idea about the predecessors. But that's fine. It, okay. it, it's I, I think that that's <laughs> what happened was a lot of people played Witcher 2 and realized it was friggin' amazing. And it got a lot of great, uh, this sort of groundswell of support. And I think that's wonder, it's wonderful that this new game is now on a different plateau than its, than its antecedents. I, I really think that's great. I still wonder if it really is going to hit that other plateau, though. I, that's sort of where I'm asking is based off of... Dude, I, yeah. I have so much faith in that. And that design team, I think, I think a lot of the audience be believes amazing. that it can rival what Skyrim did if CD Projekt Red really delivers on the PR promise that they have shown. I think or between if they have that the and money, between that and and Cyberpunk, I think they are prime to move up into that next echelon of being a really top tier development. Can, well, it, del- can it deliver against a Boston based Fallout? Yes. Well, I don't think it has to. I mean, I, I, don't, I hope they don't come out the same weekend. We, we, won't, we won't. We won't see. We won't see Fallout for at least another eighteen months. Okay. Uh, it, it's. It you think it's way further out? Way further out. What if they do um, a Beyonce with Fallout? <laughs> <laughs> um, doesn't Witcher Three have Warner Brothers money now? It does, and that's a truckload of money. Well, we don't know what well, the one. We know. We know they have them as far as a distribution partner in North America. And I'm sure there's. Well, I'm sure it's behold. You know, it's it's in their best interest at Warner Brothers to make sure that. The game they are distribution, distribution, distribution. Andrea Renee um, <laughs> makes a shit. That's ton of money. not fair. You should talk into the microphone. <laughs> I am talking into the microphone. <laughs> I could talk out the side of my mouth. I spent fifteen years in PR. <laughs> um, no, look, I think they've got. They've got. They do. Do you miss well. Frary still? Huh? Do you miss Frary still? I miss Frary. He's my brother from guy. another uncle. Right, and I get shit on for talking about stuff that nobody wants to hear about, and you're like. Hey, inside thing reference nobody cares about. Hey, remember remember the old adage? It's my goddamn. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Um which look, Witcher 3 is going to be great. They've delivered in the last two games. They've both been fantastic. This one will be another critical darling and I think that this is this is the game that will be their breakthrough. This is make or break. Yeah, I mean now you have to give him the mic because now you have turned because Andrea turned it away from him. <laughs> It's amazing oh, how somebody so small can cause so much hassle. <laughs> <laughs> why you gotta be so mean? He was just, calling you tiny. Just why don't you just move a little closer to the mic? That's uh, it, that's all you gotta do. I hate it when mom and dad fight. I know it's terrible, isn't it? It's scary. Very awkward. Love you. <laughs> all right, so 
I think that the Witcher is sort of an easy consensus, so we can move on from that one. Titanfall seems to be the other one that is at the forefront of folks' anticipatory uh, excitement. It's also because it's. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's a, a first quarter game. So it's it's like, oh, it's the next big thing. We uh, And we as far as marketing goes, about. they have been on tempo all along with this. They mm-hmm. have, and we talked about this before in a, a couple of shows ago on Weekend Confirmed, and how well they have fed out the video streams, how well they've fed out the like, oh, here's a new mech. Oh, here's a new way to play. They've had exactly every right moment to attack VGX or E3 or whatnot before that, you know, PAXs. Like they've just hit with the right, exactly right tweak to show something that's next and just enough next to get you excited and just enough next to make you want the next thing. And the, the high con- concept is very appealing. I mean, everybody loves giant robots and they do mechs in a way that I think is the way mechs should be done in that it emphasizes scale. When you're playing mech warrior or, you know, those games where it's all mech versus mech, it doesn't really matter because it's just, it's all relative to what you're looking at. So right, yeah, you're makes, like the buildings are small, right? Exactly. <laughs> the buildings, the buildings could be pillars and gears of war. It doesn't right. really matter. Yeah. But when you have a game that's built like Titanfall, where it's on foot and then you're in a mech and then you're on foot and it, it's all supposed to balance against one another. It really emphasizes the dream of being in a mech, which is I'm in this giant robot and I'm awesome. Yeah. They humanize the mech. Yes. So when Xbox one though, has had to, you know, um, step back some of their commitment to online how much of an achilles heel do you think it poses that this game is a online all the time game wait a minute they what well i mean essentially it's an online all the time game right no no i understand that but what did you say about them scaling back online well initially xbox one was a only connected play oh you're talking about all the drm and all that stuff but I mean, it, it was, was more, it was more than just DRM. The whole concept of the box was this box is attached to the internet all the time. And that was probably what they, when they talked to Respawn, they said, hey, you know, we're making this machine and this machine is going to be connected to the internet all the time. So it's no big deal, Respawn. We're making the game. Uh, you Go ahead and make your game. That Everybody is, who buys this box will be plugged into the internet. Right. You're not, you're not talking to a subset of our customers. You're talking to all of our customers. And now that's changed. I, I don't think that's changed. I think the majority of Xbox... Changed. No, no, no. I think in... In public-facing marketing that's changed, I think if you look at the core base of Microsoft's Xbox One uh, launch period purchasers, I don't know a single person that owns an Xbox One that doesn't have it plugged into the internet. You don't know them because they're super isolated and have no internet. <laughs> well, I think the most- <laughs> well, that's no. actually a very valid. That's a very valid response. That's most- not a very valid response. Sure, it is because no, you're not. because you're an internet person and I'm an internet person. I wouldn't. We're someone- all internet people. But how would we know the people who aren't connected? See what he, what he's saying is that those folks who aren't connected simply they aren't have no connected. Voice. I don't. I sure sure they don't have a voice, but I don't think they represent a substantial portion of the game playing population of the game of a game like Titanfall. I just don't think they do. Well, Re- certainly Re- not for Titanfall because, and that's the point. Yeah, you're, you're playing devil's advocate now, and I think you're I being kind of cheeky with it. But like for real, like if you think about it, think of if, if you compare it to like even Battlefield or Call of Duty. Two of the biggest uh, franchise shooters in the market right now. I mean, how many of those people play offline? I think there's probably a, a fair portion. And, and the point that we're trying to make, I think, is that originally Microsoft was ensuring that there it would be impossible to have a subset of players that are not online. And now that is not impossible. There, 
it is entirely possible that you buy an Xbox One and never plug it into the internet. And if you have, if you release a game that requires you to be online, or else you can't do anything. So you are, you are, you can't have an Xbox One and never plug it into the internet and have it be functional. But you can play the, but you Xbox can play the bot without can, be plugged, yeah. without being plugged in, right? Well, once, once it's updated, once you've updated it. Right. Yes. But look, Respawn knows better than anyone that it doesn't matter. They Respawn, the reason Respawn exists is because of Call of Duty. And Call yes. of Duty lived in that same environment where some people were online, some people weren't. I, I brought the conversation actually, up not because I don't believe in the game, because I think the game is really interesting, but because I do think that it's something that's been a little overlooked in our enthusiasm for how exciting it is. Because it is, they, they have done a great job of giving the appearance of a campaign-focused right. single-player game. And it's not that. Well, I hope no, that it that's feels that way. What's going to happen when the people who bought Call of Duty all those years and they're like, "Hey, these are the guys who created Call of Duty Four, exactly. and they go and they buy this game, and they're like, "Wait a minute, where's the campaign in this game?" Yeah, but Respawn has never once marketed Doesn't that matter. game to make Doesn't it appeal matter. to a, a campaign oh, I think, player. I think they have. I think they actually have marketed. To I mean, they've been they've a little. Like what is your example of that? Well, I mean, if you look at the videos they put out, they kind of look like their campaign videos. No, they don't. They look like they're multi. All the videos are multiplayer action focus videos i actually agree with you andrea just tell me what the video is that looks like it's a campaign video that's destiny destiny looks like it's a campaign video not titanfall well i how would you define the difference between destiny and titanfall i think they're more different than they are similar okay that's what i that's what i asked how would you define the difference between the two one's from bungie the other one is (laughs) that is not a definition (laughs) i mean it's simply a fact one's a one's a which uh, might be a definition but but you know what i mean how ideologically how would you (laughs) you one's a sort of uh you know high high speed arena based multiplayer game and the other one is this expansive role-playing loot chasing game destiny looks more like an mmo yeah it does i think it i know you honestly think i mean if we're we're talking sort of predictions. I honestly think that Destiny is the prototype for what this generation is going to be known for, which is these hybrid mul- where multiplayer and single player aren't differentiated, but not in the same not in the way Titanfall does it, in the way that MMOs do it, where Interesting. where it's going to it's going to be an MMO in the sense that it's going to uh, all this behind the scenes stuff is going to group you with people and I think we're going to see tons of that where this over this whole generation where uh, you're going to be playing what is ostensibly a single-player sort of campaign-based experience, but stuff is going to be fed in through other players, uh, what other players are doing in the ecosystem, and that is going to inform your game in the way, you know, like the Division looks like that. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen, uh, which is one of my Well, the Division looks crazy games. amazing. Oh, oh awesome, it is yeah. one of the games I'm so stoked to play. Uh, but but I think that Destiny is going to be that, and I think that the next uh, Borderlands is going to be that. I think that we're going to see more and more of these games where the the line between what is single player and what is multiplayer is blurred. And, and I think that's gonna, really exciting. It's a, it's a really exciting prospect, which made me kind of excited about the always on Xbox one experience, which we're effectively getting with both con- both consoles anyway, because so much of their functionality is built around online. That's why I sort of agree with you, Andrea, is in that most of the people that bought these machines are plugging them in anyway. It's just the fact that you can't ass- assure that to be true. You can't, guarantee that to be true whereas you once could with the original concept of what x-bone was <laughs> okay you call it x-bone very funny <laughs> anybody else want to jump into the fray of uh destiny versus Titanfall? no i just want to say screw both of them let's talk about infamous okay infamous in the early period and i think uh you know another game that will get a lot of uh early on appreciation is thief 
Thief is just it showed a fantastic story trailer during the VGXs, and it has a great pedigree behind it. Is there a release date for that game? It looks like it's going to be February. At least How many people in, in this panel have actually played hands-on with Thief? I have. Thief the new one? Yep. Uh, not my. I was disappointed by it. I think I played, yeah. Andrew is waving his hand. So since Andrew doesn't have a microphone next to him, Didn't Jeff, tell me the, what you thought of it, and then I will tell you what I thought of pre, it. It was at the pre-E3 thing last year, wasn't pre- it? Yeah. yeah. It was at New York Comic Con. It was at several different events. I was, I was, I played it at E3 last year, and, and they gave significant hands-on time. Uh, I, I was in there for like 45 minutes or something. And they had a whole level. Uh, I've never been the biggest stealth guy, uh, anyway. So, and and I don't have a lot of um, a lot of nostalgia for Thief as a series. Personally, I played it back in the day, but it was never one of those games that was really close to my heart. Um, so, I may not be the perfect person to speak about this, but I also felt like it it did not scratch the itch that Dishonored did for me, which is like, oh, hey, stealth can be fun. This was like, this is hardcore, figure it out, stealth stuff, which I think for a lot of people is what they want, not me. No, you make a very good point, and hopefully, Garnet, you can ask what Andrew thinks in the next segment, but I, I, I the last build that I played was at New York Comic Con in October, so it was just a couple months ago, and I think that when you just look at the trailers and look at the walkthroughs, it looks amazing, and the promise of Thief is really big, but... When I actually played it, I was supremely disappointed in the mechanics because I feel like a lot of open-world stealth games, like Dishonored, like Assassin's Creed, have showed us what you can do. And there's, I kept walking around the world going, why can't I climb up there? Why can't I go in this building? Why can't I do this when I can only do this, this, and this? It's like I feel like it should allow you to do more. And it, I felt well, really closed off to me in a way that was really frustrating. It, it's it's more, I see what you're saying and I agree, but it's also more realistic in a lot of those. It's, it's not, you're not superhuman in Thief. You, you, you have to really get by with your wits and planning. Um, and your character is not, he can't scale walls like, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed people can and Dishonored people can. Dishonored people have superpowers, you know. Um, you know, when we were talking about games of the year in last week's show, game that didn't come up was Hitman. And I think that what you're getting at kind of here, you, Hitman was aspiring to allow you freedom to attack a objective, however you wanted to. And I think that maybe stealth games are sort of now at that crossroads. They're at this crossroads where instead of being a game that we define as saying, oh, this is a stealth game, and there are parameters that we expect about a stealth game, you'll be crouching behind obstacles and waiting for patrolling guards to pass you'll be using distraction devices to attract people away from them it'll sort of it, it's sort of at the crossroads where it needs to evolve it needs to evolve to the point where i can just play however i want to if i want to approach a scene by you know and, and we're getting to that point where we need true ai where we need true real world environments to make this stuff work the problem we're, is they all end up becoming trial and error yeah, and no, trial and error doesn't work. Pattern, everything follows a pattern. You need to figure out the pattern, how to get through it. There's one way to do it right. There's one. Way, there's a million ways to do it wrong. You end up doing it over and over until you figure out what the game is asking you to do. Done and done. Boring. And it's, it's not fun, right? And that's that's the Achilles heel of the Splinter Cell series at this stage. Well, even the stealth missions in Assassin's Creed, they're awful. In Assassin's Creed 3, they're the worst missions in the entire game where you had to hide in the bushes. Yeah, did you, I don't know if you guys follow Patrick Klepek, but he had a great tweet the other day. He said, you know what the best part about Assassin's Creed 4 is that now when I do these stupid stealth missions, I can give them one star. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, wow, that's 
kind of true. Which right? is sad when you think about, you know, Assassin's Creed originally was launched as a stealth style assassin game. And yeah. now it's the worst part of the game. It's not the worst part. It's the worst part for people who aren't good at it. Oh, oh and are you good at it? There is, that's the um, problem. There's yes, no being good at it. Being good at it is memorizing what they do and no, then following a No, it's not about memorizing. There's, there's many okay. ways to complete different levels. If you want to have this conversation somewhere else, we can, but like... That no, have it here. I want you, I want you to have it here. No, no, listen, let me tell you. Right going to punch him in no, the face. No, like, here's the thing about stealth games. If you don't like stealth games, that's okay. You don't have to like stealth games, but I don't think it's fair to criticize a game who builds one of its mechanics off of stealth, and just because you don't know how to play a stealth game, you say, oh, this game sucks. Like, okay, that's, okay, that's first of all, to me. I don't know where anyone ever said I don't know how to play a stealth game. This isn't about I when I say never you, said Assassin's I Creed ever sucks. I, I meant it as a collab, like, I meant it as like a as a as a community like if you you as in like you the player not you Shane. Okay, that still doesn't, but she didn't mean you. Still doesn't make it make any more sense. But what what what, what does it make sense? What you just said about about not being good at stealth games and saying yeah because what, you're how, not good at it it sucks. It's the same for racing games. How can you assume if you're not that, good at racing games and then you play them and then you fail because you're not good at them? Okay, okay I'll sucks. throw you. I'll throw you a life. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. So you're saying just because someone isn't doesn't like something, that means they're not good at it. That's not what I'm saying. That's what you just said. Well, let me clarify. You're then. like, if, if you suck at I'm... stealth games, that's why you don't like them. No, no, no. What I'm saying is I don't feel like it's fair to judge a game's mechanic based off the type of mechanic that it is if you don't take the time <laughs> Look, to learn that mechanic. Look, the stealth sections in Assassin's Creed 3 suck. That's well, the Assassin's bottom Creed line. Three, yeah, we can all agree that Assassin's Creed Three. That's stuck. what I just said, and you attacked. Why are we me for talking it? about Assassin's Creed Three when Assassin's Creed Four is the game that came out this year? Because we were talking about stealth mechanics that did not work. They didn't work in Assassin's Creed Three. I didn't know that that was the topic of the conversation. I thought we were talking about next gen and the most anticipated games for next year. Did I miss something somewhere? I don't Anywho. know. Is, that was amazing. <laughs> Moving on. I just kind of sat back. Was like that was amazing. Uh, you just attacked me. That's what happened out of nowhere with no grounding or reasoning. That's However, to throw a life preserver in the middle of this, too I late. S- <laughs> I think I sort of understand what she was getting at, which is that while I appreciate where Splinter Cell went, I didn't enjoy Splinter Cell that much. Because I was not willing to commit the time. Are you talking about Blacklist or previous? Just previous Blacklist. Yeah. I didn't play Blacklist. Although Jeff Mattis had Blacklist in his finalists. Yeah, for it's, a game of the year. I enjoyed it it's a, it's a, a very ton. Good game, yeah. And I mean, I like stealth games, uh, but I am also one. I think one thing that Andrew was talking about, Andrea was talking about, was uh, comparing like stealth games with racing sims. And one of the things is having the patience to memorize. Like you have to. Like right. There's just. There's so let me take this. Let me take this where I was going. Making games, stuff has to be scripted. I'm going to bring this time. back to Thief, and my hope for Thief, because what made Thief the PC game very good was that Thief the PC game had a very elegant way of communicating to the player when you were quote unquote visible. You use this whole light mechanic. It was very much about light and shadow, and it did kind of reduce it to a meter. Oh. Remember the first couple Splinter Cells were like that too. And the first couple Splinter Cells, right. And it was much more manageable, right? And it made it playable because as a player, you could watch these game devices and understand within the game world where I am. And look, I mean, until we figure out how to do holographic projection, 
at the end of the day, no matter how big the screen is, we're looking at a big flat 2D plane. Let's get on that, by the way. Yeah, shut well, up. I'm done with that. PlayStation 4 has integrated the light bar in the <laughs> PS4 DualShock 4 controller with the stealth mechanic in Thief. Oh, yeah, it's going to show me cool. like when people are over my right hand shoulder. No, but it's kind of cool that the the like your light meter is on in your controller. That's kind of neat. All right, but yeah, think about cool. it. Also, but uh, you're missing my point. My no, point is I, that peripheral see, vision yeah. <laughs> and peripheral senses right. are not something that we've really figured out how to do because we are still looking at a 2D plane. Right. And as long as we're looking at a 2D plane, we're like really confined by that. And so we started to grow in game design away from having mechanics that communicated those things. And we wanted to we wanted to do more. We wanted to make it more sensory. We wanted to make it more immersive. And so we started getting rid of some of those mechanics. But going back to just like trucking around as a thief in Thief One with a arrow that had a you know water tip on it and putting out flare or putting out the you know sconces so that you could get into a dark space and watching the shadow meter worked. It was a easy. It was something that as all a player, that is back. You should be happy because that's all back. Right, and it's something. And as a player, I can work with that. I understand how the system works. I can use that system in the game, and now I can enjoy playing the game. And though though it may not have the same degree of, oh, I'm not... Ha- it, it's artificial. It's artificial by its very nature. But by virtue of being artificial, it works. And yeah. I think there's something to be said for that. And we don't need to just abandon that. So would you say this mechanic is close... This would be related to, like, the uncanny valley of actual, like, the visualization? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Okay. Absolutely. Because because what's happening is that we don't is that the tech isn't there to do it. We can't cross the Uncanny Valley yet because I can't, as a game designer and developer, create for the player that immerse that level of immersion. I want to. I really want to give them that. But if they and you know what, if they have seven point one surround sound and they have amazing screen technology, I might be able to approximate it somehow closely. But not everybody has that. And then if they don't have it, then as soon as it starts falling off from that they start missing out on things. And how do I make the game work inside of that? And I think that Thief 1 worked on that. And this appreciation that this team has for where Thief 1 was makes me optimistic that they can bring back some of those structural elements that make that stuff playable and enjoyable versus where Splinter Cell went, which was very tech-heavy, very fail-and-pass heavy, and very like, I've got to... And, and there's people who love it. There's people who love learning that stuff, right? And that's cool. But that's just not what I'm interested in. Fair enough. Uh, Marcus, tell me why you're interested in uh, Infamous. Are you, are you, is it because you, uh... Sorry, man, I dozed off. <laughs> are you're you not a Thief fan? No, look, I, look, I, I, think, I think Thief is going to be interesting. I've got a lot of faith in IDOS Montreal. I think they've nailed some really good stuff over the last couple of years. And they're very good at bringing back some franchises that have been on the outs. I liked Hitman, I liked Deus Ex, and I really like Tomb Raider. Um... Do I think that, um, you know, do I like the idea that they're going back to perhaps these old school ways of playing Thief? Definitely. I get your point, Andrea, where you can wander around and you feel, I should be able to do this and I should be able to do that. But maybe they're looking at it from the perspective of, you know, we don't want to turn this into Assassin's Creed or you are not being Spider-Man. We're not going to make this all things to everybody. We are going to focus on one particular style of game, one particular demographic, and only time will tell. Or you know? they don't want you to break all their scripts. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens in, in you know, in three months time but what, um, are you are, are you a big fan of uh infamous as a as yeah, a... infamous one and two i mean shane and i had a ding dong battle 
Oh, over, that over sounds disgusting. <laughs> I don't recall that. Well, <laughs> no, I, I had, had the worst thoughts going no, on. No, remember, we, we, to, we were talking about you know what? They were smashing them on their faces. Everywhere. <laughs> everyone, everyone loses in a ding-dong. No, yeah. <laughs> there are everyone no winners. Loses. Wow. Uh, no, we, 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 uh, we talked on Invisible Walls a couple of years ago over Infamous and uh, Prototype. And you you preferred Prototype. And, you know, I preferred Infamous. Wrong. And... Um, <laughs> You know, it's interesting that uh, you know Infamous is getting the third third game, and Prototype isn't. Um, I agree. There's I, much more to do with that. There's, there's a lot of publisher to deal with that. Whew. Well, no, look, um, okay. I can see I can see a lot of potential in pro- pro- Prototype, but Infamous for me, the first one uh, was not perfect, but it the way it got the the shades of gray about being a good guy or a bad guy or just ish. The superpowers I thought worked really well. Infamous 2 built on that, and I think Infamous 2 suffered from Sony not having the balls to release it properly. To come out on you know on the day of the Sony press conference at E3 was just sodding disrespectful, and mm-hmm. I'm delighted to see that Second Son, uh, you know, is is getting a big release. I mean, let's face it; as far as I'm concerned, it's the first decent PS4 game that I'm interested in because everything else that's come out has been you know underwhelming. Or, you know, average at best. Um, you know, new powers, new character. It's, uh, you know, the, this this world uh, is very interesting. You know, it's almost like a fascist police state. More people with powers, you know, they're expanding on that. So, yeah, if for me, it's, you know, I dig the superhero games. I've, you know, I'm, I make no uh, bones about the fact that I, I do like those, those styles of games. And this one, the way it handles, you can be Mr. Goody Good, you can be Mr. In-Between, or you can do, you know, you can play like I like to play and be a total arsehole. To everybody you? and revel in it, dude. My favorite game of all time is Dungeon Keeper, um, <laughs> but yeah, that that to me is you know is something that's interesting. I want to see how it works on the next gen. We know it's going to look pretty cool, but I want to see you know how they handle you know the, these mechanics now, where you see sort of shooting high into the air and how that works, and you know because flying is always something in video games that I don't think anybody's ever really done a good job of transferring you know from ground to flight and up and down DCUO again. DCUO did a pretty good job. I liked it in that. Still, not, still not really. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's it, uh, nobody's really done it, you know, in a way that I think that that, that blows my mind. But I just want to see where they go. I want to see how much of a wanker I can make my character. You must have loved Crackdown. Uh, Crackdown Dude, is one of my favorite. That's games my biggest of the last wish. Generation. My biggest wish for 2014 is we get a new Crackdown Xbox One exclusive announcement. All right. Well, I will let uh, you hold your breath while we take a quick break. We'll come back with the uh, second segment of the 2014 forward lookings uh weekend confirmed when we return all right so it might not have enough time left to get it for a christmas gift but many of you will get uh you know money i guess for christmas it is it is the gift of uh, all gifts the gift of kings this will bring you a ransom of money <laughs> uh frankincense yes. myrrh new pc that's what new i think PC. Yeah, yeah, if you're a real PC. wise man you would uh Want a new PC for Christmas. And as you know, uh, great new sponsor. Or I guess they're no longer new. Great sponsor of the show. Very happy to have them here with us. Doghouse Computers. Both Jeff and I uh, play our games on our Doghouse PCs, which we love very much. And this would be a great time if you are in the market to go look at their site, doghousepcs.com. Or actually, Doghouse, Doghouse Systems. P- systems. Right? Yeah. I have it right here. I should actually make sure that I have that right. Doghousesystems.com. Right. 
There that you would go. Be the right place to go. <laughs> anyway, they do a full line. They they show you a bunch of pre-configured systems. They have a number of uh, different cases you can go into. As I've talked about before, I went into the uh, big mid tower because I needed a big tower, and I got the adorable cube. Yeah, well, uh, I like my cube actually. It's very cool looking. I like my tower. It, you know, and the thing is that well, you're a little uh, country. I'm a little rock and roll. Uh, I think I'm more rock and roll. All right, I'll be. Country. I don't know. Uh, so the thing is, they use all the sort of industry standard components that if you were sitting there choosing i want to build like this this is what i would build with you know my case is a cooler master tower and it's it's a really nicely done one and they used a very nice closed loop uh liquids cooling system on the cpu yeah the construction quality is really what my favorite part of buying from them is because i could build my own computer i have done but these guys do it right (laughs) they take the time they take the care they have the uh, expertise to really put it together test it they have a burn-in period for the for the computers and they have support if anything goes wrong it is it is a machine that when i pop the door on it to you know every so often clean it out and just make sure everything's happy inside there i go it's like that scene in pulp fiction where it's just gold shining on your face just like i just uh, it's not like that it's just i sort of look at it and go yeah if i built machines all day long this would be what i would want my machines to look like right. and and i remember like when i used to make my own i'd be all particular about you know i'm gonna get the i'm gonna get the thermal paste onto the cpu just right I'm about my, you know what i don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore and i'm yeah. very 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 happy super excited and and happy to have a dog house system and they've got shirts to give away of ours they, they do indeed so uh, if you use code tgif at your purchase you'll get a free weekend confirmed t-shirt it's the only way to get them at this point and a 30 dollars credit on slashloot.com. Uh, as we said they have a bunch of different systems from performance laptops through cubes through uh full-on you know tower systems you're looking at me funny Jeff. no it's, I think it's funny i have that tower I love by the way it. the towers do not have neon lights and all that bullshit it's yeah it is they look cool and i and by the way if you have i didn't bullshit is not the nice thing to say i should say it's not that kind of system although i think you can get system lighting inside of it because you can get a window door on it anyway doghousesystems.com for high-end powerful gaming computers all right everybody thanks for staying with us i have uh i've got everybody headphones now so if you've been listening and you're a little concerned about where it was going, I want everybody headphones so they can hear when they're on the mic. <laughs> headphones was the problem. Yo, yo, that can you turn problem. that shit up? I can't hear the bass in my headphones. Exactly. Yes. All right. So continuing on with 2014, one of the things that's exciting to me about the early part of uh, 2014 is the uh, twofer of Final Fantasy. I know I'm alone. Well, yeah, I'm kind of ex- I'm excited about Final Fantasy 10, 10, 2 HD. Mm-hmm. And I'm also excited about Lightning Returns, even after it's sort of a... Uh, slow start in japan i'm excited should you mention who we now have in the room with us oh yeah should uh well you guys know all of them james want to jump in there we're back james is back spicer sitting next to my my mic buddy oh yeah hello we're about to kiss spicer. it's really close <laughs> wait does that mean that james is like who would james be under that scenario I give up. My best friend, someone that's always nice well, to me no matter Newman. the situation. Uh, someone that doesn't... He's not Kramer. I'm, I'm, I'm Bob Sakamano. Yeah, you're Kramer. Kramer. You're, the, you're Kramer. James Whenever he Kramer. enters the room, everybody gets happier. Yeah, you're I Kramer. Could, I'll, I'll make sure to come in Kramer style into the studio <laughs> next time. And he's a like, giant peach. He smells awesome. like the beach. It's this amazing cologne. <laughs> exactly. And Calvin Je- Klein, rip me off, Jerry. <laughs> Get the chicken. And Jeff Get and... the chicken. <laughs> Jeff and Andrew at the end of the table. Howdy. We're not going to kiss, though. No, no. Well, all right, so Final Fantasy. You're all up on Final Fantasy. I am. I'm very yeah. excited about it. There's a awesome-looking, only available from the Square Store, Lightning Returns special edition yeah. that I probably... Does it think... come with a statue? No, I wish it did. 
I, I actually do kind of wish it did. I, what I was the it. last Final Fantasy you finished? Uh, 13. Okay. And, he, and he's working through 13 too right 13 now. Too now yeah. yeah. Uh, just because I feel like a lot of times, and I'm guilty of it too, like you get excited about things, you talk about it once, maybe circle back to it twice, and then especially with new hotness coming out, you, I find myself forgetting to go back to the thing I was excited about and then like, oh, the new one. No, I really like 13 and the initial complaints that are coming out from Japan about 13 too are the things that actually have me a little bit interested in it, which are that the, that it's not the same combat system that they've used over and over. And people are disappointed in that because 13 and 13 too do actually refine that active. They take a system and then they refine it some and you kind of thought, oh, well, if they do you know, a third 13 based game, they could really get it down. But it is absolutely an action game. It's absolutely an action RPG game in the way they've designed it. And we knew that from the time we played it at E3. And I'm still excited. I'm still enthusiastic about that. And I think that uh, what they showed me with 13.2 or what they have been showing me with 13.2 gives me hope that with uh, Lightning Returns, I can have fun with it. And and 10.2 has always been my favorite Final Fantasy. As much you, as people maligned me for that. Would you prefer ever for... Final Fantasies to stop being Final Fantasies and for them to be called no okay <laughs> no no because I go well go ahead and tell me where you're going and then I'll tell you why well I, I mean a third thirteen like hearing those words I mean it sounds ridiculous until you think oh no no that's not ridiculous that's Final Fantasy like has it become a joke and would it be better just to be is it a joke that they have thirteen Final Fantasies well they don't though it'd be like yeah, a, they do it'd be like a game called the a game series yeah, like called the last something the last guardian and then you have the last guardian 2 and the last guardian 3 and then like i mean it's just by that by that rationale final fantasy 2 was a joke right no no it's not the same thing i mean at some point this franchise has been so long running and so acclaimed and maligned at the same time where i wonder if they could get acclaim lined acclaim lined it's they went out of business after nba jam um <laughs> If they could come off with some of these new ideas and not be dragged down by baggage of old ideas and lightning returns. I don't don't think they're necessarily dragged down by baggage. Final Fantasy is identified by not being the same. Yeah, like there's there's really no through line between all the numbered games. And yes, 13 ended up being a trilogy and, and that's sort of like unique in Square Enix's history. But like, all I mean, 15... 15 is very different from what 13 is, right? So, And I'm excited for 15. I'm there's gonna, a number of people who stop at 6 and say, well, 6 was the last good one. They're like, after 6, just totally fell well, apart. No, no, 6 wasn't the last good one, but 6 is the best one. Let me ask you <laughs> yeah, this question. 6 is the best one, by the way. That's a fact. Yeah, it's <laughs> not even arguable. Other than, other than Final Fantasy. Shane's, Shane is uh, giving a giant thumbs up. Oh, no, that means you're wrong. Other than Final Fantasy, can we, are a, there... can we do a ballad of the best Final Fantasy games? And, and, then, and then you can tally it up, games. and yeah. then weight it, and then like, yeah, I like the math. Ten and two, I'm gonna lose ten two, thirteen ballot. I'm I'm ten, ten two, two, and then eight. Oh and, God, uh, fuck! I know. Gar- Garnet has the Garnet has the taste of a of a fourteen year old girl in terms of Final Probably Fantasy. So. Listen, I've never tasted him, but I, I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, what you never what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> never t- I got it and it was disgusting. <laughs> wow. uh, ten two and then eight and then twelve. And see, I think that's so. I'm not saying that I like you're, 12. 12 I'm not saying good. your answers are wrong, but I, I was just wanting your opinion because I feel like as a guy that's uh, into Final Fantasy, at what point? Eight to in the you, top five is wrong. Period. <laughs> to you, never. Like you, you're perfectly happy seeing more and more Final Fantasies, and 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 that's fine. That's all well and good. I'm Christian, not saying that's I am the wrong so long thing. so long as they continue to follow the hallmark of Final Fantasies, which are that they share only 
a basic set of values in that we're going to have a unique battle system. The battle system is going to have some continuity with, you know, uh, a, a tactical battle system that is turn-based, that, that gives you options both uh, uh, through physical attacks and through magic attacks and through how I use items and my players but, within their fields. So you're saying but a Japanese role playing game. Yes, exactly. But so final, as, as long as it follows those conventions of Japanese role playing games and and in in some way continues to innovate with each iteration, then I'm okay with but it. But thirteen isn't really turn based, and especially uh, and twelve li- isn't. Especially really. lightning returns. You know, lightning well, right. Returns. So lightning returns to me is almost lightning returns to me is sort of an offshoot game. Well, at this it point, versus, it, was, it was supposed to be versus. It's sort of no, become no, no, an no, 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 Well, no. versus is 15. 15. Versus no. is 15. Oh, 15. Yeah. All right. And 15 goes even further away from the turn It does. Uh, it does. Sorry. I think that 15, to in my way of looking at things, turning versus into 15 actually is more disconcerting. You know what? Screw Final Fantasy. Where's Kingdom Hearts 3? Well, let me ask you. Th- that's the question I was going to try to ask. Grandia. I want another Grandia. Me too. God, I'm God in such it. in that camp. But uh, the, I was going to ask. Kingdom Hearts what? 3 is actually announced and there's trailers. So like that. It pro- I doubt it'll well, be that team in 2014. Well, that team has to finish 15 before they can do Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> no, I want, I want my Disney. Oh, uh, well, well, uh, there's um, that Ubisoft game, right? Uh, that, that RPG. Uh, South Park? No, no, the, the one that uh, Ubisoft, uh, the guys that made Far Cry, uh, that they're making. The JRPG that they're making. What is it? The one that uses the Grandia battle system. Oh, Far Cry JRPG, uh, and it's all in neon. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, Use I'm, the power I'm, of I'm Google used, to I'm find it. I'm using the internet now, God Jeff. What were you gonna? You were talking Far Cry Ramen I, Dragon. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I want to. I want to know what you were excited about. Don't mock me, Spike. Ch- Child of Light. I'm Child being... of Light. That that should be on everyone's radar. If it it obviously was. Grandia so yeah, yeah. good. Grandia Two yeah. is one of the greatest games of so all time. So it's it's uh it's from the uh I think director of Far Cry Three. So that's. Already a good check mark there. Uses UB, UbiArt, the engine that powers the, the Rayman games. Another check mark. And uses the battle system from Grandia. So, <laughs> I, and the login can I, can system I pre-order from it? Uplay. And, and the DRM of Uplay. <laughs> there you go. All, all amazing the things. The <laughs> no, South Park, though, in terms of RPGs, South Park is one that should, I think, I'm hopeful will be good. And I hope that it's meaty. Um, anytime you start getting into a lot of... Uh, like, oh, hey, Trey and Matt wrote a lot, and there's going to be a lot of story and stuff. Well, you start to hope that the game isn't going to be like shorter than it needs to be. They're doing the thing that you want them to do. You want this is the thing, exactly the thing that I wanted J.J. Abrams to do when he got involved with the Star Trek game. It's it's the thing you want when you have these big people involved in games. Is they're like, fuck, no, we're not putting this game out until it's good. So. You know, I I wish JJ hadn't been like, oh yeah, that Star Trek game. Yeah, I was involved for a while, but fuck that. I, it started to suck, so I got out of it. My only concern about that game is how well the combat system is going to hold up over the long haul. Um, but quite frankly, it's not going to matter to me in terms of how much I enjoy the game. I don't think because yeah. of the level of right. I mean, they they wrote the whole thing, and if you watch any clips or footage, it kind of feels a lot like an episode. So if you're a fan of the show, you'll probably find a lot to like in there I definitely think... my my only uh current gen game that i'm still excited about i know people say dark souls but i don't really dark souls 2 also yeah. also in that same time right. and no one understands jeff to this day no one understands how you like rogue legacy but I don't like dark i try souls. to explain it but it's it's inexplicable <laughs> okay. it, is, it, is, it is actually inexplicable at this point i i do hold out a whole lot of hope for south park i think that uh you know matt and trey's involvement has been it was one of those things where if you're a producer, you have to look at it and go, you know what's going to happen here? 
is is this is what's going to happen. They're going to drive us crazy. They're going to drive us fucking but nuts. But that's their job. They, they like should Disney be driving crazy. Mr. Banks. I mean, you saw you saw that uh that like three part episode, right? <laughs> that South Park uh, video right. game Black Friday which was episode. Awesome. I would love to see which the was movie clearly like. Like it was clearly made to try to promote the game. If they had come out at the same time, and even like the ending is like yeah. really abrupt, and like it's like right there, it's like oh, and now and here's the South Park game ad. Oh, it's not ready. Yeah, uh, and and the <clears throat> fact that that ended up being as as satisfying as it was gives me really good hope for the game. Those guys are geniuses. Yeah. They're geniuses. Well, and they're also they also know the medium that they're writing for. This isn't some fly by night like oh I, yeah I played a video game once or I played Pac Man back in the day. These guys play games, and they also. They also, whenever they move to a different medium, you know, a Broadway play, uh, you know, they commit to it. They don't, yeah. it's not a one, it's not like a, well, well, fucking do this as a hobby. It's, they, they do it right. They and, do what they want. Yeah. Exactly. Although now that you mentioned, I really, do, I wouldn't mind a Book of Mormon video game. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> that should be the, yeah. that should be the next thing that they work on after. <laughs> AIDS, after AIDS, I think it's a telltale AIDS, game. AIDS, AIDS, Um, I want to say while uh, James is in the room that one of my most anticipated games is Sunset Junction. Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Junction. Sunset Overdrive. Is that like Petticoat Oops. Junction? Sunset <laughs> Junction is a real place in Los Angeles and a fictitious place in Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited about going to Sunset Junction later on and going to the delicious uh, Mexican food restaurant that's right there. No. So Sunset James, Overdrive. What can I, you tell us about Sunset Overdrive that's never been said before? Go. Well, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No one's, no one's ever said it's good. James, the, the game looks awesome. How awesome is the game? It's so awesome. Yeah. Backslap. Um, Pats yeah. on the back. I, well, uh, you, I'm, I'm very excited to put it out this year. How's that? It's going to be uh, it's gonna be a fun year for We're us. We're just all really interested to see it. We, yeah. Well, okay, 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 okay. My know, question you know? is how much, how indicative of real gameplay was that initial trailer that got us like pretty stoked? Uh, what can I say without getting myself in trouble? I would say no. I would say that we have to. What the biggest thing we need to do when we show the game is prove that trailer. And I think we'll. I hope that we can. I mean, I'm confident. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, think we. You know, we, I, I know that we. No, well, I feel I, good about that. But I mean, you'll see for yourself. So they're, they're uh, like a bunch of lawyers, like hovering over. <laughs> How much will the art style all change? He, all he's going to say is. Trailer? All he's going to say is you the saw, fuse is saw. lit. Oh, low blow, bro. <laughs> Thanks. All I know, and I'm, I'm, I put James intentionally on the spot because when we were sitting in the other room in the booth while uh, Jason was in here, James looked at me and goes, man, it's so hard to be on these shows and talking about future games or other publishers' games. So when I knew I was going to be on this segment with James, that's pretty much all. <laughs> <laughs> all you wanted to do is put me on the spot. Tell me about Uncharted 4. What do you think, how do you think that's going to be? I'm excited for Uncharted 4. <laughs> is, that, is that 2014? Is that confirmed? I don't know. It, I honestly don't it know. It damn well better be. We don't know. They <laughs> put him, put J- when Jason comes back, put him All right, put him on the spot. He says it's just uncharted. He just not he uncharted revealed the yet. official name for it. It's called Uncharted Colon This Game Will Disappoint You. And I think that's <laughs> I I don't know well, if that's you know, true. Well, but. I'm 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 glad that they're lowering our expectations, you know? It's it's better. It's better to I thought temper. it was called uh title not certain. Or whatever. Title not final. So title not final. That's something that I think, and I don't know how much we can dive into this, but like the title not certain and some of those games, like what what game that maybe hasn't been announced or maybe broader like type of game or publisher? <laughs> I'm so you excited think that, for the game that hasn't been announced. No, no, no. I'm being serious <laughs> that you think like might be a, a, a surprise, uh, like it can be broader like a genre that you think someone will come in and put their take on in 2014 that will just kind of blow everyone away. 
And yeah, you're going to get this prediction wrong, but I think that's what's awesome about it. I'll stick my neck on this chopping block. I think, and I I was talking about this in the green room earlier, I think that somebody's going to come along and create a use for Connect that goes beyond the dance games and stuff and actually employs it in a way that is meaningful to core gamers as a whole. And I'm not saying that that hasn't been done peripherally, peripherally yet, but... No pun intended. Yeah, but there really hasn't been... Yeah, exactly. But there hasn't been... Like, I would love to see somebody do a kick-ass RES, RTS that's completely voice recognition and gesture-based hmm. that just really works. And, you know... Who knows, ultimately, if that's something that's even on the menu, but I think that there are things like that that they could do that would turn Connect from a, well, this is kind of neat to have, but whatever, into a, wow, this is pretty cool to have in the system. I right. Think, I do think Fantasia looks really cool in terms yeah, of yeah. the yeah. Connect game. Like, that's, I don't know if... But I, I don't, I, I, it, to me, it still feels similar to Dance Central uh, in the way you move your body. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's really changing the game that much, you know? Well, I agree with you, Jeff. I, I think that... Um, Instead of taking existing games and sort of figuring out how to use movement or voice right. to control them, it would be much more interesting in the same way that there was this growth period for DS games and then there was this growth period for, for sort of iOS touchscreen games that all of a sudden there were these games that were created that worked best with those platforms. Yeah, they were designed for that specifically well, on, and only. And like they innovated was... in ways uh, like, oh, I've never had this kind of experience before because I've never had the interaction I've had possible here before so in yeah i i agree with you i think that'd be really cool to to, to find out well, that happens it's either that or like i mean i wouldn't if they if nobody does that in the next say two years and i think it's probably going to take that at least that before microsoft looks at it and goes well well maybe maybe we could make a cheaper box in our next iteration of this console let's talk about the let's talk about the console that really faces the hardest road here how quickly does whatever you know advanced lead that we had over the two evaporate it's already gone. Yeah, it's it already have gone. a lead. I mean, yeah, two million I mean, I, sales. I mean, I think it's more already than... I, like. I mean, or but I mean, time... but in terms of developer, like getting on board ahead of time. What developers what? are they getting on board with Wii U? Yeah, yeah. Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that 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 that's it. They've so lost where do, every where do you guys where, then then where does this group put Wii U's forecast for 2014? What do you expect out of Wii U? I think there's uh, going to be some amazing Nintendo games that come out for. I it. think I think it'll be similar to this year where you've got Mario Kart Eight, you've got Smash Brothers. Both sound very good. Probably uh, a couple Donkey of surprise Kong Country, games. Arctic Freeze. And you've got Donkey, Donkey Kong Country, yeah. Arctic See, Freeze. That's three games right there that are, are potentially in the argument next year for Game of the Year. Yeah, and that's it, 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 I think yeah. I think they're going to keep on doing that year. Like at, at, However long the Wii U lives, I think the two, three, four, whatever games that they, Nintendo releases on the console, they'll be in Game of the Year uh, talks and... And people will be really satisfied with those games. And I think Nintendo hopefully can eventually make the argument, hey, this is going to be a great second console to have. One thing that I hope, I mean, and this is, I think, the biggest thing the Wii U faces and maybe one of its core flaws is that even the best games on Wii U right now, um, if you look at uh, like Mario 3D World, the touchpad is basically irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but I, I the think best element I think of that is that I can take the touchpad downstairs or in the room next door or even in the same room and we can be watching TV or something and I can still be playing Super So Mario you just Mario explained World. why. You, you, you that, that's solved fine, the problem that, from the first question no, no, with no, your no, second. No, 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 you know? But that, that, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. But like a Vita can do that with a PS4. The, but that's the, why there's no extended functionality. With right, I know. And that, and that so problem, because that. that is the best feature of it yeah. right now. 
and that should no, be that should be an optional feature. That should be like something the, you pay the, extra here's for. Here's the problem: yeah. like you can't do that. You cannot do that if you use the touchpad in a good way in a single player game. Right. So it's this awful catch twenty two, where like the really innovative touchpad games that would like use the touchpad in a unique way. If they do that, they then sacrifice their ability to let you play it off the screen, which is how a lot of people which are using it. Which is what they it. should do. And it's like, oh man, like I and I, I wonder, think, and, I, and I said I don't see that, and I don't see Arctic Freeze necessarily, and I and I don't follow these games super closely, so. Maybe they are doing it, but I don't see Arctic Freeze, Mario Kart, or and Mario Kart Smash Bros. Especially, Mario Kart has, I mean, as, as a horn. As, yeah, that's well, a that's goddamn the, yeah. horn. Right. They're multiplayer games, so like you can't do anything super special on those when everyone else is just using a Wiimote yeah. or whatever. So it's like the really like you look at those three big games, and none of them are necessarily using Here's the touchpad. My prediction. In a way. It's interesting. I, and maybe it's less of a prediction and more of a I will be very disappointed if it doesn't happen. Is that we better fucking see a Metroid game? Announced that's coming out in 2014. That's amaze balls. I, I it's going to be other M2. I'm you sorry. Think, you think <laughs> announced or come out? I think one might be. Announced. I hope it's announced. I hope it's announced at E3 and coming out in the fall. I, no, I'm no, take I, I would love that to happen, but there's no way. How yeah. have they not been working on it for two years? Because well, the Donkey Kong yeah, sold they're making 10 Donkey Kong. Yeah, so they made them. They're making Donkey Kong and Mario Kart. They're the not, same reason. Same reason. Smash Brothers hasn't come out yet. You but, know, like well, they've talked well, about Smash it. Brothers I mean, it's being made in the works. What concerns me about where you guys are talking is that I'm not seeing a bright, vibrant future. How likely then is it that we are watching the last Nintendo? Uh, no, 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 no. Nintendo, has, about Nintendo has so much money. There, this is not the last. See, I think, I think if and again, this is just my guess, but my assumption would be if Nintendo would look to do anything, if they can't get it going again, they would look to come out again with a new console yeah, and they, and try and like become parody so that they can get ports and have their own offering to go along with it. I think their biggest problem is that you know they may stop seeing the multi-platform games coming to their console. Mm-hmm. They already aren't in some regards. So it puts them at a disadvantage. So potentially down the line, and I don't think that's this year, but you might be looking at 2015 where the Wii U gets phased out if they can't catch any What they should do is, is... I, and again, de- I have no idea. Like, Wait, don't, we don't what know. they should this do is, is decouple guess. the controller from the box, sell it with a Wiimote in the, in the box for $100 less than it's selling for right now, sell you those controllers individually... Uh, so you can pair it if you want to for okay. seventy dollars, okay, and and sell it and undercut the price point dramatically, and, and they'll sell it. This and isn't this isn't that crazy, given that let's not forget that Nintendo released the 2DS this year. Right, it's true. Actually, they, not a crazy. They actually, right. they just they chopped off the biggest feature of their fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. and the 3DS. We'll take, let's, take, let's take the three off. Let's just call it the DS again. Exactly. I mean, that's I I think that that is something they could definitely do if this thing doesn't get any traction and. It wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing because all these games don't really have functionality that requires yeah, you're, it. Like you, you won't know, be able to play a, Nintendo Land on it, but oh well. And every <laughs> game you play on the Wii U right now is you turn it on and it's like, which controller do you want to use? Classic Wii, you know, uh, the, Wii mode, Wii and yeah, exactly. Which one are you using? Gamepad. So it could still be the same exact thing. Well, <clears throat> I I would submit that I I, I think that they're handheld division is going to be around for a long, long, long. I time. don't dis- I, that I don't doubt. That's going to be strong. I, I would not be surprised to see them pull a Sega in a really? certain number Every, of years. Everyone has said that Can for I make so long. Nintendo and once, and once again, that, they right? have they have so much money. They are so... But this is not the With Wii. the exception... No, but... But they still, the they still have that pile they're yeah, sitting they, on. They, like, maybe it's so shrunk much... a little bit, but... And, here's, and... here's my Nintendo prediction and wish. And I think, James, you might have been the one who mentioned it uh, first in the green room. There's been a lot of talk about micro consoles and like ouyas and stuff like that, and none of those have struck a chord. 
Um, Nintendo has proven with the 3DS, if you remember uh, last month, uh, I called the 3DS a shitty piece of hardware with great games. They have proven that they can make great games on underpowered hardware. They did that on the Wii. They're doing that on the Wii U. They did it on 3DS. I think Nintendo could make a micro console type thing that plugs into your TV and also has some sort of get smart with your back catalog, Nintendo, Netflix subscription that. I would pay a monthly fee to have access to that back catalog Mm. and then keep making games like uh, A Link Between Worlds that I can buy and then play on that. And I feel like no. So you say double double down on the low tech side of it. Double down on the awesome games. Double double down on the double down on the not competing with like the tech race. Oddly, they did make this in China. Uh, It's called IQ. Uh, It's uh, it was a essentially a micro console uh, back in the day uh, that would play N sixty four games that you would uh, like get printed on disc. Essentially, it's like a Hmm. uh, like a floppy disc, uh, like a zip drive. Uh, and then they would sell those games for cheap. It was it was try it was their attempt at like getting around the China piracy thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think people are comfortable not owning media now in that regard. And if the price is right and the console's price is right and it comes bundled with like a Wii U Pro type controller or something, I just think Nintendo could get a lot out of that. And they make such great games that it'd be a shame you know, to see them. You know I what mean, would work really well with that is that to me, looking at the Wii U, I see a platform that could come into a console space that is still at the moment rife for being undercut in the indie market because the indie yeah. market has has on console seen itself as a way to sort of be a higher priced point than steam 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 yeah the games are similar price points but there's so many steam sales no the the vast majority of people buying indie games on on pc are buying them at some degree of discount where they're yeah, buying there's bundles and humble there's Steam bundle sales or Steam and, yeah, sales yeah. or good old games or what have you. Like they, it's very easy to wait. However, you go to the consoles and quite often, you know, they're full boat and and they stay full boat for a long time unless they're put on, you know, PlayStation Plus, which is great. Or at some point well, in time, maybe I mean, you even saw some of the deals like this week on Wii. Uh, this week when we we're recording this a couple weeks ago now, where Mega Man on 3DS was two bucks and sure. Mega Man X was two bucks on uh, Wii mm-hmm. U for the. Virtual so my console. point is that. Indie games are not hardware pushers. They they're not out there like saying, "Oh my gosh, we got to have the you know all the shaders possible. We have to have unless, super amounts of memory." Unless you count Minecraft, yeah. it's a hardware push. as being a hardware. But oh, you a, mean not not no, pushing technology? Yeah. Oh, I right. see what you're saying. I thought you meant no. They can sales oh, they can drive no. sales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm saying they're not they're not pushing the technology. Gotcha, barrier. gotcha. And, I didn't, and that, I wasn't being so they sorry. even the playing field, right? So they make the playing field much more even for these for the Nintendo piece of hardware. Well, yeah. So at it, that point, now the doorway is open for Nintendo to come in and say, you know, with eShop, we're going to be more aggressive. We're gonna we're gonna well, come out. You, we've and, been and I don't that. think Nintendo. I don't think Nintendo will ever do this. But if Nintendo had a super aggressive advocate. Who was out there? With they a, do, they do. Uh, advocate for indies. They've, they've been super aggressive in, a, in in courting uh, indies, especially if you went to IndieCade. They they who, had. Who's their the, Chris Charla? Who is their Who's their Adam Boys? Who's their Shane? You might Satter, you might Shane know those names, but like the average player doesn't. And I think but a lot of the people are out there who are courting the developers who we do know. We know we know all the indie developers. Here, and, I will I will Google it really quick. I might. Yeah, it's true. I don't know him off the top of my head, and they need exposure. But you've known Adam for like years. You've yeah, known you. But the, know and, and I will. 
say the Wii U did have a few indie games. Um, I'm saying that Nintendo armed with a great decent, package so, like, that were on their platform for could me. be could could come could swoop in and really capitalize on that market. I, I just feel, I feel like, like that's like what Sony gonna... is doing, and Microsoft are they're already and they, fighting. Dan them. Adelman, that's mm-hmm. the Dan Adelman is the guy that's okay. running well, Nintendo's indie I, program. I'm glad you okay. brought up indies because two of the games I'm most excited about for 2014 are indies, uh, and they are Transistor. Uh, which is the new game from the guys who made Bastion, which I think is one of my favorite oh, games yeah. of that entire Looks generation. Great. I forgot to put that on my list. Jeff. Yeah, Transistor yeah, yeah. and The Witness, which of course is the Jonathan Blow game, uh, and Braid is one of my other favorite games of the entire last generation. So, And The Witness looks so deep and so big and so mind-twisting. Uh, I'm so excited about that. And I will I will follow the Bastion guys to the end of the year. I'll, I'll add point. a couple more indies to that list. Please. Uh, no Man's Sky, which we talked a little which bit about a oh weeks god. ago. Oh my god! Awesome. Uh, Hello Games is—I don't even know how they're doing that, but it looks great. Uh, Broken Age, the mm. Tim Schafer thing. Yeah, uh, which is due quite soon, actually. Yeah, it's due surprisingly quite, soon. Well, it's a part one, part two thing. Right? Uh, okay, that's what the deal is. I think it is. Um, hack slash too. Hack and slash it looks good. Oh, hack and slash looks yeah. awesome. Uh, Super Time Force mm. is coming out. That looks amazing. Finally, uh, and uh, the surprise one is is Mugenics, which is the. Uh, Edmund, Edmund McMillan's new game, uh, Team Meat, the Super Meat Boy guys, uh, and it is it going to be another one of those games that, that's cool but so hard I can't play it? No, no, it's it's going to be one of those games that's you're, you've you, if you go to their website and you look it up and they try to describe it, they're like, look, we don't even know how to describe this thing yet. It's basically a cat lady simulator that is part The Sims, part Tamagotchi, part Pokemon. Um, ostensibly, you are you have a house and you're a cat lady and you're I mean, there's like millions and millions and millions of different cat variations that there are, and you're sort of capturing and breeding Somebody these cats. Somebody got your letters, and... Garnet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> to make that game. You were so excited about it. Oh, the cats, yes. Cat Lady Simulator. They, uh, obviously, oh, okay. right in your wheelhouse. But but the because it's those guys, and because I know the game's going to have a, a sick, sort of twisted sense of humor, he, was, he tells this anecdotal story on the blog about, uh, you know, he has a cat that he really likes with a curly tail, and he's like, okay, this cat won a a cat show and I want to breed this cat so I can keep winning cat shows. And so he gets another cat that he finds that wanders into his yard. Looks great. Blah, blah, blah. He breeds them. And it turns out, uh, or, or, or the, the female cat doesn't like him. So kicks him in the face while he's eating. And so he separates the cats, puts, puts one in the attic. The one that got kicked while he was eating stops eating because he associates being kicked in the face with eating. So best in show the game. He starves. <laughs> He starves in the attic, and then he then he tells a story about finally breeding the cat, and the cat that he breeds it with has narcolepsy, so he ends up with these two cats that fall asleep all the time. And anyway, it's none of what you said has me excited, other than it's from the Super Meat Boy guys. Well, it, it is it is a very weird. I mean, it's got Edmund's art style in it, which is awesome, and it is so weird and different that if if I if I want to do anything by describing it it's just go look it up and do, i think i think the right. indie game that i'm most looking forward to it's a video ball have you guys heard of this no i have not uh it's from uh tim rogers uh the uh i guess i i know him best from kotaku but yep. i'm sure he has other credentials uh it's a it's just a it's a top-down 2d game where you, it's it's like soccer but just uh completely insane and it's uh it's coming out on i think ps4 and vita hmm. and uh and yeah, I, it's it's really hard. It's one of those games where you look at it and it's like that's dumb. It's just it's <laughs> the the graphics are super simple. It's just uh, like you you play a block and the balls are also blocks and you just have to throw blocks into the goal at the end. Are you <laughs> sure that's not called combat? 
or or pong it's sort of like <laughs> pong, pong. Uh, uh but no yeah it's it's i've i've played it at like two indie shows so far and every time it's just a blast it's a uh, it's usually 2v2 and it's just like oh i i it's i i can't really explain the appeal of it i think but i'll, I'll read their like uh press release uh uh, they call it Call of Duty meets Madden meets Wii Sports meets Angry Birds meets <laughs> NBA Jam meets Bangai O. I.e., it's a video game. <laughs> it's a Bangai O. No, that's the thing. Meets Bang. Yeah, like that. If you know what a Bangai O is, that's, right? That 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 that. It's like that, a cronut. That, <laughs> it's the cronut. It's the it's the cronut, cronut of video, video gaming. No, uh, so, Box quote. But but yeah, you you should definitely uh, Google. Uh, video ball. I think you guys would definitely hmm. have a lot of fun with that. All right, we'll give you a second to do that Googling. We'll take a little break. When we come back on the other side, we are T-minus one segment to the predictions segment, which is always the crazy, ridiculous, most fun of all. So stick around. We'll be right back with the second half of the 2014 Look Ahead show of Weekend Confirmed. Damn, what time is it? I need a drink. I need a drink. Alice. I need a drink. 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 I'ma need all of y'all, yeah. I need a drink, absolutely. I need a drink, it's not. I need a drink, Hennessy. I need a drink, in a time. I can't drink all by myself. I'ma need all of y'all, yeah. It's only 12 o'clock, but I need another bottle. Cause me and my crew only no full throttle. But so you got a session and it's starting at one. You gotta stop all this drinking and having all of this fun. But the girls by the pool all be looking so pretty. They flying out today, man. They leaving our city. Nothing worse than a rapper who thinks he's a star. Should be working your pen up, working the bar. Bartending line him up, we need that five ball whiskey. I know that it's early, but we getting club tipsy. Never had the problem, had the too much fun. Just a problem with ambition and getting things done. I'm trying to celebrate what we've accomplished. Believe me when I say that we got this. I'd rather celebrate right a year from now with some cash in our pockets to treat the All right, lots of next gen stuff we can get excited about for next year. In hour 57 of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've now hit hour 57 of recording. It's awesome having yeah, a show. This is like Kanye West hour. I'm about to go Kanye West on this mofo. Do it. Do it. I feel like I'm on the Jerry Lewis telethon. I just want to know. Please don't. Shane and Andrea, did you guys kiss and make up in the other room? I was never angry. I don't sound like you were angry. They might have made out for a second. I just was confused as to why he kept talking about AC3. And. Let's be honest, he's terrible at video games. We all agreed about that. Yeah, I just right. the games. Moving on. Yes, we did. All right, so we haven't talked much about the new consoles. Right. I think there are several games that people are excited about. We talked about Titanfall for Xbox One. Mm. There was Drive Club, which got which was sort of the pushed back game for PS4. Good thing that it was pushed back, in my opinion. So based off what? E3. And and what about it at E3? Well, when I played it, boy, it sure didn't it sure didn't stack up to uh, Need for Speed or Forza. It sure it just really felt like a uh, in environment and game. But I think that there were some things they were doing community wise, oh, sure. challenge wise, that showed some promise. So if they could Agreed. get the if they could get the dri- look, it's like they got the ancillary parts right, but now they got to get the driving game right. Right, which is why I'm glad it was delayed. I am glad it was delayed. Also, yeah. I think the problem they have now though is that they're up against the crew. Which looks to be doing much of the same community stuff that you were excited about. Well, but the ace in the hole for the crew is that it is a bunch of the folks who worked on Test Drive Unlimited. Right. And Test Drive Unlimited, for me, was so far ahead of its time. It was. I mean, it was, it was doing all of these things 
that we applaud now about online racers and the cool stuff that Forza is doing and like and it, shared and really spaces and need for speed and re- rivals totally yeah. is and it's like Test Drive Unlimited was doing that shit like three or four years ago. It was also the first game to launch with a big online component that didn't work for about a week. So it was also <laughs> yeah. the precursor in that regard. And, but look, and and without casting too many aspersions on dead publishers, I mean, it was published by Atari, and Atari didn't really have a lot of push behind it, and Atari was already sort of on a, on the decline, and then the whole thing was just a mess. Backed by I Ubisoft. agree though the game was was awesome. Act backed by Bo- Ubisoft. Backed by Boobisoft. <laughs> That's their new name. Boobisoft. Your Freudian slip is showing. <laughs> backed by Ubisoft. I feel like the crew could be your a Freudian, really your Freudian nip <laughs> slip. No. Yeah, I got you. You're such guys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the crew could be like a very big surprise for 2014. Could be a really you know would it be a surprise if it was successful what, am i right in thinking it would be a surprise no i i, I think it's uh no what i no i think you are i don't think you're right i think you're right because it's like it's kind of a little off the radar right now like when you think about when people are really talking about like the big games coming out next year like you're hearing a lot of titanfall you're yep. hearing infamous yep. uh the console exclusives the division the crew is sort of a little bit more behind those games kind of just lurking and i think that gives it i think that's not even a bad thing for it because it can really come when it starts to get a little bit closer it can really surprise people in a good way and hopefully get a lot of positive yeah, I mean, for out. anyone who's played the burnout games and played need for speed but and then at the same time maybe also played car simulators like forza but like the community part if someone actually puts all of these pieces together in the right way they could very much hit a great critical mass you know a very but the cool thing about the crew uh, i was very impressed with that at e3 cool thing about the crew is that it's it's not. It's all of those. Things. It's like off-road racing, right? And, and, That's what I'm saying. If you could, and if it's you all could, seamless, and it's street racing, and it's if you can and throw that net out, there's this entire world that you're just hopping into at any place. And and if you could throw that net out over everybody and be accessible, but yet at the same time have enough depth underneath that that people can enjoy, can 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 get into playing it, and it's more than just a throwaway experience. I think you've got something that really clicks. Jason, you're a car guy. I completely agree. I just think that right now, I think it's good that it got delayed. I think that. Um, You're at a drive club now, or the crew? The crew, well, actually both. Well, drive club guys was the one that got drive delayed, club but... got got really delayed. The crew, when I saw it, I was like, "This is not coming." <laughs> well, yeah, we just they smoke a burn. I just think like right now the two major like household racing game names are out, right? Like yep. Forza and GT6. Yes, they are. Those are out. So now that that's already happened and that won't be happening again anytime soon, um, it's going to be better for these games. I think it's going to be interesting to see because. For the for a while now, maybe it's just for me, but I felt like the only games that were really doing well racing game wise were actual more racing quality games where you're you're pretending to do races that have happened in real life. These both of these games, uh, Drive Club and uh, the Crew, tend to take on a whole different aspect of that and just kind of being like race wherever you want in the world. Like here's this open world racing, but what we're gonna do is make your friends be like in your community be more of an important aspect. I'm super excited for it, um, but. This is kind of it flirts the fine line for me between being like arcadey and simulated, and I'm I sit on the simulation side. I think it looks definitely more arcadey to me. It looks like it's competing with Need and for it's Speed. not a bad thing for for to like play arcadey games because I'm loving Need for Speed Rivals, right? But I value the intricacies of a simulation race game. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have the simulation race. I don't I don't disagree. I'd, Which I makes would. me think of games like Forza and GT6, and it's like, man, I see opportunities there. To make this more community driven, but still have the simulation parts. Um, well, I think, I think that's kind of drive club. I right? think unlike, I, I don't think, I don't think that I'm I say not unlike. I think, I think that I am like many, many, many fans who uh, of 
of Forza or Gran Turismo who have in their minds like done entire massive design docs of like if I if I was making this game it would look like this 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 and this I'm in the same boat and and yet they don't code they they have different people writing those pre production design checklists we always have our dreams <laughs> speaking of dreams uh, <laughs> it's two, 2014 is going to be a one by one big year for MMOs it will be a big and year and I'm MMOs. dreaming of uh, EverQuest next. What got you on it? What, what, what did, didn't we have a whole conversation? Like, I feel like I was on the show and like, were. we were like, oh my God, EverQuest. The- and I'm still sort of, awesome. I'm still sort of dumbfounded that EverQuest after it's sort of lukewarm. It's come back from the dead. Yeah, it's sort of, it is sort of the Phoenix. Uh, well, it, this looks like a completely diff- new game. It just has the EverQuest name on it, but it looks But it has the EverQuest new. name on it. Well, and you're saying that that's an albatross. I don't necessarily think it is. I think that that. It's a bit of a taint. You said taint, and I'm not going to giggle. But I, <laughs> um, I did the same exact thing. Where I was like, taint. I'm not even, not <laughs> really? even touching it. That got that got Andrea back from. I don't cell touch phone. that taint either. All right, fine. Uh, Let's all just jump in that hole. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I got uh, Moving on from that. Uh, it's it's, it's Del Rio. Is this a train wreck yet? <laughs> I got this in my. It's in my pocket. It was a train wreck three segments ago. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think the the. This sort of community building of the world stuff and this like second MMO that they're making, uh, EverQuest Landmark, I think it's called, right. something like that, um, where you're, you're in an MMO also, but it's the MMO that's just building stuff for the real MMO, which is bizarre and awesome. And it looks cool and the deformability of the environments, all of that is all super interesting and I'm excited to get some real hands on with it. Also, Wildstar. It looks awesome. I've been... A uh, sucker for this game since I first saw it like two E3s ago or three E3, whatever it was. Uh, and it looks awesome. It, 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 I love how a lot of these MMOs now are emphasizing exploration as a facet of MMO gameplay. I think that the art style is really cool. A lot of the the fun arcade combat feels like it, it will be a breath of fresh air. I'm excited for both those games and Elder Scrolls. I think there's three really strong MMO contenders all slated for next year already. So uh, I, I'm excited as a big MMO fan f- to get my hands on all three of those games. So Wildstar has the strength of NCSoft behind it. But, mm-hmm. but how well will its graphical approach resonate with people? I'm excited about that. I, I personally think that, that sort of cartoony look is interesting and fun and a lot of the the enemies are really interesting and fun and i love i love it's it's more of a platformer as mmo it's a Which real is a pretty tough thing to pull off true you know, but I, from what i played it it does pretty well i felt the same way about amalur that i really liked the graphical stylings of of you know that game and a lot of people really panned it for being a wow knockoff you don't think that Wildstar is going to suffer from that same I don't think criticism? It looks like wow, necessarily. Um, it, I mean, it, it, in the same way that it has a cartoon aspect to it, but I think it and it, green. But I mean, kind of reductionist, but Green Goblin guys. Okay, it's like Green That's Goblin fair. guys. Uh, but well, I feel well, like it looks really pretty. I mean, it looks a lot prettier than Wow does at this point, and Wow looks real pretty. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's going to carve out its own little niche, as a lot of MMOs do. I'm excited to play more of it. I, I'm. It's been on my radar since I very f- first played it way back, and uh, I have everything I've seen that they put out has me more excited. I keep seeing new bits of gameplay and new. It's so extensive development behind it, so that could bode yeah. well for it. Yeah, we're not going to. We look. We can't go any further without talking about the 800 pound gorilla that is Elder Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And that really is to me, and we've talked about that before on the show before, it, that's the big question to me is how willing are people going to be to sacrifice the you know, immersive open world singular experience for the multiplayer experience, but oh, wow, well, there's a bunch of people staging to do the same thing I want to do. I think that you, I think that's a misframing of the situation. I think okay. that if, if Elder Scrolls MMO and Elder Scrolls 5, whatever number we're on, 12, or six, whatever. whatever. If the new Elder Scrolls we'll single player one. and the new Elder Scrolls MMO came out in the same day, mm-hmm. there would be that decision process. But I feel like that's not going to happen. And I feel like the the prospect of selling an MMO to people who already want MMO uh, an MMO in an interesting world that is already established is solid. And also people that like Elder Scrolls and want more Elder Scrolls and aren't getting more Elder Scrolls right now may be willing to try an MMO. I'm not so sure about that. Every piece of content that I've put up about the Elder Scrolls Online, I would think would be really positively received knowing how popular um, the Elder Scrolls IP is with its core fan base. But it seems to me like even the core fan base is crying foul of this $60 price point and this $15 subscription fee. And if you want to play it on next-gen consoles, you also have to pay the $60 a subscription fee just to get online if you're a console player, whether it be PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live Gold, which is something that Bethesda and ZeniMax still hasn't addressed, which nope. you know is, is something that I think the reason why they haven't addressed it is because they haven't quite figured out a workable solution for their fans yet. But, I mean, I, I feel like there's a community... It's, it's an expensive Skyrim job. It, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. I think the problem is, is that the community hasn't quite decided if the game is worth it anymore because we're seeing really big IP like Star Wars with the Old Republic uh, have a MMO come out and only sustain itself for not even a full year you know, before it goes free to play. Is it arguable that the traditional MMO model is dead? Maybe well, it is. I don't think that I don't think an IP is enough. And I, I think that, I agree, yeah. And I think that it, it seems to me that Bethesda isn't relying purely on their IP with Elder Scrolls online. I, I really think that they're trying to do some interesting things with the game and I, I want I hope it succeeds because I'm excited to play it. Uh it's certainly a question mark, but I don't think I don't think that I really don't think that Elder Scrolls is an IP that people are excited about the lore per se. I think they're really, I really don't. I maybe, wow. I'm, maybe Not I'm as wrong. Wi- about that. No, no, I don't think it's as, I agree with you. I don't think it's as widespread as maybe some people in the gaming community believe it to be. Well, the, the, it's the, not some people. There are millions of people who have played Elder Scroll but, games. But the, but the promise no, of Skyrim, Skyrim, like MMOs, the promise of Skyrim is very different than, Hey, Elder Scrolls is this rich tapestry of stories. It, it's the promise of Skyrim is you get to do these specific things. You get to fight dragons. You get to play in a right. role playing universe that is fairly typical of a role playing universe. It's not right. like oh Tamriel is special. I don't really think Tamriel is special. I think the the experience of being in a world really? that large is special, but I don't think the specifics of of those characters are. No, I agree with you. I think. But James has this look on his face. What do you want to say? It's very generic fantasy. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. There's nothing that really separates it from competitors. And I think what you see with MMOs, and I don't like to play MMOs. I'll just say that right away. I've tried them many times. I play them for like an hour. I just can't get into it. But I'm always looking for 
what is the MMO that's going to get me into it? And I can never find it. A new one comes out. I try it again. They're like, this is different. Try this one. You'll like it. And I play it for an hour. I'm like, this is the same old shit. So, and you even see it with people who like MMOs. Like Marcus, for instance, was talking earlier. He's like, man, I started playing WoW again two weeks ago and I feel terrible about myself. (laughs) But that's what happens. It's like people who like MMOs, they were a WoW player. They go out, they try all these other games, but inevitably they always end up going back but why is that? I, think, I don't know. I think, people well, frame I, that as, as being some I, sort of bad thing. No, no, no. no. MMOs just, are fun in their own way. I'm just talking I, about the prospects but, of future MMOs. Like what she was saying, you know, Star Wars, that huge IP, it, 12 months later, free to play. Even they But every survive. other game you're excited about on the, on this list, 12 months later, you're not going to be talking about. It's, it, that's, that's the way video games are. That's true, not uh, I think that's a very fair statement. I mean, outside of like the some of better multiplayer ones, generally speaking, maybe that's somewhat. I'm true. surprised that in well, a I, show where we're talking about 2014, we continue to talk about WoW, which is now quite an aged game. But as that if, new expansion looks awesome. Okay, <laughs> wow, but it's but, like it's but an aged as game, if but... it somehow still defines where the future of the genre is going, and it's not. Well, I think it just I mean, shows you not? that the genre has why, not why evolved not? because. Because the genre, well, actually, the genre has evolved, but it hasn't evolved in a traditional sense. And and I think that it's foolhardy of the Elder Scrolls development team to think that they can charge a sixty dollar game and then a monthly fee for a MMO. Because it's it's clear to gamers now that an MMO falls into the sort of game that is a service, and games as a service have become a free client on which you pay for different parts of the game that you want to access, whether it be through... Do you uh, prefer that, though? I, we're not talking about preference. Why, why not? I'm asking. Do I prefer that? Yes. Is that is that preferable as a consumer to you, as a gamer? I think that... That's a very tough question. That's like, that's like, that's like the... Do you prefer a benevolent dictatorship or dictatorship? Because if you go back in history and look at like what Charlemagne did, like that, that was all great because he had a benevolent dictatorship. So I think that a I think that a free to play game run by a great game company that wants to make some money off of its players, but and do that in exchange for a great game is a better relationship than a game company that just wants to have a subscription game. I don't necessarily agree. Wait, but does anybody at this table, has anybody at this table paid $75 in a free-to-play game? No. Anybody? Have you have you sunk seven? That's, that's buying the Elder Scrolls online and paying for uh, one month of subscription beyond the free month you get. Has anybody paid 75 bucks in a free-to-play game? I might, I have, might have if yeah. you consider it. Like, <laughs> oh, like, wait, which yeah. I'm, like, I'm honestly curious. Which game? Mine seriously is like in the last few probably. Years where... I don't know if you consider Bajol Blitz in that category. Like, yeah, yes. of course you do. That's probably the only one where I'd be like Tetris. Just so you know, Kristoff, our co-president, gets retardedly high, like two million fucking score plus point scores. And I buy my way to try to catch him, and, and I stopped trying that pattern after I saw my wallet. But the, re- the reason I'm asking is because the only way that we can make a Victim. fair assessment of which do you prefer is, do you think The Elder Scrolls Online would be a better game if it was free-to-play? Yes, I do. Do you think you would get the same experience yes, as a free-to-play player in two months without paying $75 I, I, do, in, I do. I do. If it was developed wall, the right way, but, play I, but it's not. Pay, but not paywall play. Here's the thing: is mm-hmm. I think that that this space needs to embrace where free to play has gone, and understand how to build around it, and to deliver a great free client 
and then understand how to develop the service game as a service around that that gives the player a great experience that allows the player who's going to be you know look it's only the top few percent who are going to be your i'm going to commit to playing this game only free and those folks who are willing to commit to play it only free are the single most amazing evangelists you'll ever have for your game and i'm just couldn't even buy that good of marketing for a game i'm just getting really tired of having to ask myself over and over and over within the context of one game whether or not i want to buy something uh and Yes, that is a still a question of whether do I as opposed to making a big purchase as opposed to making the one purchase where I purchase the game and I'm playing it and then having to ask myself monthly, am I still playing this enough to justify 15 bucks this month? Uh, I, the, but the, that's but, but you're doing I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure I understand because Elder Scrolls is buy the $60 game and then spend everything, then spend a monthly subscription to it. Right. And I'm saying the alternative to that, which is. Get the game for free, yes, and then constantly being asking myself, "Do I want this thing? Do I want that little thing? That's Do I what need I'm that saying. little thing? So, Would I be do- ha- being ha- more fun right now if I bought that little thing?" And Jeff, what I'm saying is that done correctly, the economy system shouldn't put you in that position. But there's no way to do that. Cor- oh yeah, there that, is. That is, that is. Oh yeah, yeah. there is. Uh, oh, have you played League yes, of Legends? There is. I- well, no. <laughs> I've been playing it for months, and I haven't spent a dime, and not once have I ever even thought about spending the money. But there are people that want to buy skins for their champions or whatever. And and I can understand some people may want to have that cosmetic change. I don't. I don't care if my character has a hat on or not. I just want to win. But there are people on there that do care what their characters look like. They feel like they're a representation of them inside the game, and those people will spend the money. It's a very small fraction in fact, the numbers that I've heard recently are from 8% down to now like 4% of people actually spend the money. But those people spend enough money that it is well, obviously, Riot Games doing very well. You like it's Path well of Exile? Money. I do. And Path of Exile follows that same But I, ca- I And I'm constantly asking myself, oh man, would it, wouldn't it be cooler if I had that? Wouldn't it be cooler so, if I had so that? So by the way, to, how, I how much to, money have you spent in Path of Exile? I haven't spent any. But, so these well, guys have made true. these guys I mean, have made you an amazing game. You haven't spent a single thing, and you're griping about the fact that they made an amazing game, and you haven't spent anything about it. But you're not happy. About I that. would rather give them money to make that game. I would rather so pay give them for a that couple game. of months to buy something. Them, yeah, buy some stuff, some skins. Why? Like, <laughs> whatever. What's I'm your saying problem? That, I'm ahead. saying that the the tacit agreement that I get into with with the game, I would prefer to have it all be upfront. Rather than have it be embedded hours in, I get what you're saying. I understand it. Like well, that monthly, nice where you're like, okay, I'm about to have to pay the fifteen dollars. Am I gonna? What am I doing this month? Do I have a vacation I'm going on? Am I gonna be around on the week? It, you don't want to have to even ask those questions. Once again, bad, bad design right there. That is bad economic design. If it makes well, you ask those monthly questions, charge. Uh, the monthly charge, the monthly charge thing. But this is a argument like yeah it's maybe still being figured out in games but this is something that's already been figured out in tech right like who here doesn't have a netflix account right we continue like they just i mean what if it was the same thing free or cable for that matter or cable for that matter but what if it was the same thing like okay you get the service uh but we're just gonna like you pay 15 dollars up and every time your month goes like your credit card just gonna automatically go now it's on your like it's your own onus to know like oh wait i didn't play this game for like a year and i just paid a year's worth of service I mean, I think, I don't know if games will go that route, but I think it's something that is well, a possibility. Well, that's what MMOs are, right? The subscription fee and, every month. And to be completely transparent, keep in mind that a lot of this is the fact that I'm now working in design where I'm like designing these economies, right? right. And, and the more I design these economies, the more I think, 
you know what? Being a good guy, and I know that some games aren't good guys about this, and I can pretty quickly tell when I buy pick up a game if they're being a good guy about it or not. But if they're being a good guy about it, then if they'll let me play and I'm super enjoying the play of the game and and playing the game allows me to have good progression and continuity through the game and not hitting me up all the time, then I'm happy. Look, go back to Forza. Part of the thing that's annoying about Forza's microtransaction system is the fact that at every goddamn end of a race, it says... Do you want to bonus your expansion? Do you want to bonus your experience? You can bonus your experience right now for $2, Jeff. $2, give me $2. You could bonus $2, give me $2. You could bonus your like shut the fuck up. Right. Yeah, the approach means a lot. Right. And and it, and even in a free to play, like the approach means a lot. And I'm not disagreeing with the that. The way we're building, you know, look, I I we, we me my, myself and the other key designer on on Song Blaster, like we have gone we have run the game over and over and over and over and over just through the first five hours trying to look at like what's the progression like? How well do people earn the currency in the game? Are they earning currency fast enough if they're playing the game that they can just play the game and have a good time? And, and, and if we let them buy something, can they buy so much of it that they can just move on and make it okay for themselves? Because we don't want to like put them in like this situation where they feel like, oh, did I buy something? Well, if I bought something, should I have bought something else? I don't know. Here's what I'm like, trying that's, to say. Well, that's messed up. I no, agree, I agree with, you. with you. That That is broken. And I agree with you that approach is, is important. But I think in... In nearly every case, and I, I also appreciate getting something for nothing, getting that free experience up front. However, I, I feel like having a finite amount of cost is almost always preferable to me where I can go, do I want this? Exp- do I want experience A? Then I'm paying price B. Whereas the alternative is you're having experience A. Do you want? To buy B C D E F in down a rabbit hole of infinity. What game is finite right now? Do you Wow? Wow's not finite. It well, it, for the most part, it, it, there, it, there are now microtransactions in Wow. I agree, and so, I'm not a fan so, of them. I, there are. I mean, to your point, no one's going to give you Jeff, finite. No one's going to be finite anymore. Right. We're well, in. A, we're in an era where that just doesn't exist, and it goes to what I said in the last show where we were talking about game of the year and value for your dollar. What you brought up is that we just don't have those games that will give you a game for that set price anymore. And I think GTA Five really is the only game that I can think of in clear memory that like you pay sixty dollars and this is the game that you get without having to buy a ten dollar DLC or a five dollar DLC no, or a twenty dollar season pass. I can name a hundred games that didn't have any Go at, Do it that came out this year. At least name <laughs> at least one. name a couple. I mean my game of the year <laughs> Rogue Legacy didn't have any fucking microtransactions. I, they can, I can name a thousand games on Steam that you buy once and you're done buying them. Oh, no, I'm not talking about specifically microtransactions. I'm, I'm talking about added on in general, whether it be through a, a season pass or an extra that's, expansion. That is, or, an, an, a, a, that is a, a second tacit agreement that I'm getting into is do I want content B in this case mm-hmm. for price C that that. I don't understand why this doesn't make any sense, but we can move on. And no, it's no, not that you're not making sense. Going. I think the point that Garnet and I are making is the games where that doesn't exist are becoming few and far between in this era. And I think that we could all agree that it's a little disappointing for us as consumers that what we used to pay for a complete game, we only get a partial game for now. We have to pay for yeah. the rest of the game. But, you're, but your argument... Your argument seems to be shut up because that's the way it is. And no, I'm saying it, it's, it's not, not my it, argument at not, all. I'm not saying shut up. I'm saying that this is the transformation that's happened. And you can either say, oh, I hate it. I'm not going to deal with it, but it's still going to happen. 
or I mean, that's, that's or you can I think hold, that translates to shut up. It's our. It's, I mean, no, I, exactly no, no, no. Or but you can say, or you can say, you know what? There's two something. ways to do it. You can either be, you can either be the people who know how to do this and do it because because there are games that follow this model and do it well. There are games well, that I do think, free I think to play right. Feel like you're still figuring it out. Like there isn't an answer. There right are now. people who are still figuring like, it out. And like there isn't an answer. And you know, maybe Star maybe I'm cynical. I don't think I don't think that I don't think that the Elder Scrolls Online is going to come out and be a sixty dollar game and have a monthly charge and not also have microtransactions i just i see horse armor within the first month it's gonna happen and then there's gonna be the next piece of whatever the fuck it is and they're gonna be nickel and diming as well as having the 15 dollar deal as well as having the 60 dollar but that doesn't mean that there aren't people like PopCap who are doing a really great job with their free-to-play model like they did with Plants vs. Zombies 2 well, where Pop is, Pop, you can Pop play that entire game well. without ever spending a dollar and yes, have a really can. great time because you can grind your way to that earning That game everything. is hard just, as hell if you don't spend money, though, man. Especially after I mean, that yeah, game is the great. I hate, I hate the metagame. Game. I really hate the metagame of... Where, where does where does progression Jeff's playing against dying. himself? Right. I'm playing against my wallet right now. I'm playing the how far can I go? What can, how how much can I do without spending? A Let dollar? me ask you a question though. I don't like that game. How long ago was the grind just the progression of a game? It's like hey, right. now, now people are giving you a game for free and you're calling it a grind. What we used to call progr- Japanese RPGs. Playing the game. <laughs> I, mean, I remember I remember in Final Fantasy One going around in a little circle. <laughs> Killing things and trying to save up yeah. enough money for silver swords before that's we had the Japanese Japanese game. Game. Dude, you know, Goddamn, that's King's Quest and got it right now. I'd be like, well, why is that one dollar so a silver sword? Ching, ching, ching. Yeah, but like if you, here's, I think the problem. I think maybe what you're getting to is, I think it becomes a problem when a company creates a game where you don't allow the player to grind, and instead you put up a paywall. Absolutely, which is yeah, something yeah. that I complained about on Twitter this week but about a game that I'm playing. Is that if you should always allow the player to grind their way to earn everything when you put content specifically behind a paywall that you have to pay to unlock, that's where but then you're balancing your game with that in mind. You're balancing your game with some people are going to pay to get past this, and other people are not. Where I mean, there's a lot of psychology in the whole thing, right? It's I mean, all going back to the approach thing. I mean, one thing I found is I've been playing League of Legends for free for months now. But a couple weeks ago, I sat there and I was like, "Wait a minute! I've been playing this for two months. I haven't spent a dime, and I just bought a skin." Like, I feel like some of these developers are discounting the honesty of the average human being. Look at eBay. Good point. eBay went out on a limb, and they're like, "You know what? We think most people are honest and are trustworthy, and if somebody gives them money, they're going to send that item to that person. And they were right. 99.99% of the people it did exactly that. Someone sent them money, they sent them the product. Tell that they to didn't the have sultan. To. That it, all that the worst scams on eBay are the buyers scamming the sellers, actually. Sure, sure. I totally get that. But still, I mean... The it's, Xerox sheet of paper of the Xbox One on it? <laughs> oh, my God. I, I feel like that. people Crazy. undersell human nature, and I feel like people are generally better than people give them credit for. And the cynicism, I think, is something that's kind of pervaded game development in this free-to-play environment. And I think if more companies were like Riot and actually gave people the benefit of the doubt, maybe their games would be more successful. Obviously, Riot is not having an issue making money. Nope. And sadly, the other side of the equation exists as well, is that there are exploitive publishers who will make free-to-play games that prey on people's psychologies, that preys on people's you know, willingness to just fall into a trap of, I'm going to spend a couple of dollars. I think that we all look at Candy Crush and probably think to do a great degree that it falls into that category. And and that colors our judgment. And we say, wow, this is all bad. But we were talking about things we were excited for for 2014. (laughs) We got off on a crazy free-to-play tangent. And I still think that that the Elder Scrolls 
But Rita Bull looks is really be a big great. I think, I think it looks great, but I think it. I also think it's going to fall into the Star Wars trap. I think that it's that the, that the Star oh, Wars certainly. quicksand is too great for it to fall. I think there's too many people who look still at Warcraft and go, "Wow, man, World of Warcraft still trucking, still doing add-ons." And the fact is that it's trading on all of that base that it built up seven years ago. And the world has changed since then. And its world hasn't changed because it built its own virtual world and it exists in that vacuum. But the world has changed since then. And the world of doing an MMO needs to be a client. I just, a gr- they, could, they, could do, they could do the Elder Scrolls with a genius economy system that worked great for everybody, attracted millions upon millions of players, made them millions of dollars in money, and made millions and millions of, of happy players. And everybody won. The thing that bugs me is that in in the shadow of WoW, in the 10 years that WoW has been around, every MMO has been judged by that metric. And I, I, I as an MMO, avid MMO player who plays almost every MMO that comes out, I don't understand why it's not acceptable for an MMO to be a game that hangs around for a few months, half a year, maybe more. Just like any other fucking video game in the world, and people play it for that long and have great experiences and fun times and move on to the next thing. Oh, that's because of development cost. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because you can't make your money back that way. It's a losing business. I've well, never heard I, anyone ask that question. But I'm not I'm not in the business of making it. I'm in the business of playing it. And I, I I'm telling you, I well, these games that but, people complain Well, brother, about, that's a nice place, but that's there won't be any more games. If they follow that model, every MMO will fail and then no one will make any more. And then people like you who love them won't have anything to play, and you're going to have to play WoW longer. <laughs> well, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I'm just saying that I, looking at it from a gamer's perspective, you, you say, oh, Elder Scrolls is going to – well, I'm going to go in it, and I'm going to play it until I, I'm not having fun anymore, and then I will move on. But the time that I played it hopefully will be fun, and it will be a positive experience I, I think your, oh, your point in some ways is you don't want an MMO because the MMO in itself is supposed to be – a giant world that will exist forever and if you're saying you, you only need it for a couple months and then you're going to be done with it kind of takes their persistent out of persistent world with right. Like, right. Right. Well, no no no, no. Like, I disagree completely scale uh, like you it's like persistent. that style and you want a connectivity but you want it it's persistent during the time I'm playing it it's it, it is it is exactly what it's supposed to be for the period in which I'm enjoying it I think you might be an anomaly though in your outlook on that. I think a lot of people, mm. when they dive into an MMO, it's an investment. I mean, a lot of people, the reason they go back to World of Warcraft is because they've already put all that time into it. And sure. they, they try something else and they're like, eh, I already got seven years and wow, I'm, I'm going back there. And so, True. All right, I'm putting the lid on this conversation because it's time to regroup. And after we regroup, we'll finish off 2013 with predictions for 2014. Mass Effect right. 4. So I want you to all come up with your most creative, like risky leather jogging pants, baby. Whatever leather jogging pants, whatever they may maybe just don't put any talcum powder it's on them. Just crazy enough to work. <laughs> just crazy enough to work. We have one segment left for 2013. It's coming on the other side of this break.
right, it is 2013. We're talking about 2014. And perhaps the saddest of the kickoffs to the prediction is that a quick straw poll found that no one is willing to back Half-Life 3. But I want it so bad. I predict oh, Half-Life 3 will be coming from Telltale Games. <laughs> Oh, as God. a story Tales based. of Half-Life. <laughs> Dude, a pox on you, because if that were to happen, I think we all would just die a little bit Tales inside. from Black Mesa. Oh, jeez. Dude, I, I, would, I, I would so play the hell out of it. I would, too. Although the protagonist wouldn't have much to say. See, right. Valve making an operating system and, you know, doing whatever else the hell they're doing. <laughs> all, all Gordon's uh, dialogue options are just the dot, dot, dot. No, you play as one of the scientists. Oh, yeah. I think Valve's approach is they're just waiting for everyone that played Half-Life 2 to just die. And then no one will want, like, we're aging out. We, like, forget, we forget Half-Life. Half-Life 3 was just a memory. You're, you're a fool, dude. There was no Half-Life 3. But there are a slew of gamers out there who just know Half-Life because people like us are demanding Half-Life 3. So. It's almost moot. It's almost already moot. It's, it's what in, you're saying. It's in Daikatana territory. That's where it is. Oh, don't curse it like that. It's not a curse. Don't it curse it like that. All right, so let's talk about some predictions. I'm going to kick this thing off. I want to talk a little bit about PlayStation because I think that uh, it had some great momentum out of the gate, and then Xbox One has done a fantastic job afterwards. I mean, great marketing. They've come out very strong. You know, after after what we thought from E3 would be very slow for them, but I think PlayStation has a couple of interesting uh, wild cards or jokers to play in 2014 that I think they could capitalize on very strongly. The first one is Gaikai. Don't forget about Gaikai. What if it they, arrives. Pardon? If it arrives. Oh, it's going to arrive. Come on. Mark, it's a proven technology. So it's, it's a proven technology that has already been shown. They've had a significant amount of development time behind it now. And this allows Sony to leverage one of the greatest strengths of PlayStation, which is the back catalog. Their ability to bring the back catalog into the PlayStation 4 in 2014 gives them the the buffer that both of these consoles are sorely looking for while developers get up to speed on developing for this next generation. So that there's that gap period, right? There's the gap period between, oh, we made a bunch of stuff for launch, and then after launch, all right, well, now let's get serious about developing for the new machine. Well, once well we're get- in the gap period. Where's Gaikai at? I think it's coming in 2014. I think it's coming early in the, 2014. I think it's coming in the first six months. Hmm. I don't know if it's coming. You know, in like the first three heard months. More about it. You're saying now. we're going to see we're going to see Gaikai before E3. I think we'll see Gaikai before E3. I love you, but you're smoking something. I'm um, Gaikai like, before am, E3 with ten titles from. Hmm, it's really tough. Look, I am. I don't know what PlayStation era, but I think ten titles. What's the, titles. What's the pricing structure? That's that's the key. I am so inter- I'm interested in Gaikai. You're right. It's going to open up a whole new world. But if I have a slew of PlayStation 3 games and um, I want to be able to stream them, if I have to rebuy them, I'm going to be pissed. It's a PlayStation Plus play get, get for ready sure. For that. Well, you know, they, they're going to have to come out with a whole concept of, you know, whether it's subscription, whether it's, you know, a add on on top of PlayStation Plus. There's so many big questions about this. There are a lot and of big questions. So I'm not, how, I'm not very good at answering questions. It's predictions. So I don't, you know what? Actually, pricing wise, I don't have an answer for you. I just feel like Gaikai is something that they bought long enough ago that they've had enough development time behind that is so potentially powerful for them. I don't and see I think, how they can do a flat fee and include third party games. They can't. 
You said can or can't? I don't, I don't think they can. I, don't, I mean, they I don't give think away... they can unless they twist the screws on the third-party partners and tell, just tell them, hey, here's what you're getting. They give away third-party games, give away. They're included as freebies on PS Plus. Individual ones. Well, not, not like the entire But Christian, library. right now they negotiate all those deals individually. Yeah. And that's, exactly. I think, is the problem is all this stuff is licensing. And unfortunately, from, you know, my lawyering days, and like when this stuff comes up, it makes sense to me because all of these licenses, especially back in PS1 days and even PS2 days, Contracts in it often include in things like in any media that exists now yeah. or ever invented in perpetuity. And a lot of people wouldn't license music, especially license tracks for that kind of stuff. I I mean, I'm I'm hopeful and I love it as a prediction, but you know, the pessimist slash realist in me, I just feel like there are so many hurdles and headaches <clears throat> for this thing being the dream that we want it to be. And yet Sony bought the technology owns it is something exclusive to them and my counter to that is that i think that xbox one will counterpunch with something of their own of some sort of standing on equal and i don't know i don't know if it'll be a streaming platform but i think that xbox one i think that microsoft would be foolhardy at this point not to be thinking about what's what the potential outcome of that could be and they're smarter than that they have to be smarter than that they have to know that Whatever Gaikai is going to bring to Sony's platform, they have to be prepared to counter. And I would be surprised if they weren't ready to counter that. And whatever that might be, it could be uh, Xbox 360 originals, you know, available on 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 one as a as a live sub- subscriber. Um, whatever it might be, I think that they will be ready to deliver on that. And and to that end, one thing that Microsoft as a uh, a, a as a service provider, because they do a lot of that, right? They do a lot of, you know, network as a service or game as a service or, 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 you know, whatever it might be as a service that they might be more prepared and readily able to adapt their games as a service model to Xbox one. But I'm not sure. Sure. Because Gaikai from a technology standpoint really gives PlayStation Four a strong technology leg up. I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft aren't looking to buy on live. Well, what's left of OnLive? Well, that's the thing. They're still, sorry, they're still they're still around. Their business model was the biggest problem. The was, te- there's nothing wrong with the tech. The tech works absolutely fine. Yep. If Microsoft want something that fits into the PC architecture very easily, and the PC architecture is Xbox One, then mm-hmm. going out and saying we can get OnLive dirt cheap, mash it into Xbox One, we're sorted. Do you guys really think that that's a big deal to people? No, I see the thing I think what's going to happen is what you're going to see on these services are, you know, it's sort of their reimagined, you know, dealing with backwards compatibility. It is the backward compatibility. And that's, and that's, and that's all. Well, so, so you ask yourself, you know, how excited about that are you? And what would you be willing to pay on top of what you've already paid for these games that you probably own for another system back in the day that you may still own? What, but I mean, then it's the Netflix question. What's the value proposition? Right, yeah. But what, I mean, it, it's all going to boil down to, hey, look, if I can pay nine bucks and get access to all the legacy games from the original Xbox or a large swath of them, yeah, maybe maybe that I would be worth it for- I wouldn't pay that. I wouldn't. Nine bucks a month. Well, I might do it for a couple months and play the titles that I wanted to play and then, you know, but it's not really? something- Yeah. I, I mean, there are a couple things. Like, I'd love to go back, back and replay uh, The Warriors, the- uh, Rockstar thing that they did like towards the end of the Xbox cycle. I mean, there's a few games out there that I would play, but no, to answer your question, it's not something that I particularly. Well, right now, right now, Xbox Live is $60 a year. 
what if it was $10 a month but included unlimited access to a streaming service that had Xbox and Xbox 360 games on it? You're talking about doubling the cost of Xbox Live. Oh, I didn't say that, did I? Ten, no, ten, ten, but you said 10 bucks a month. You, you got to do it you like missed, this. You, you can do. You can play used games on PS4. Start applauding, and we're gonna charge for online multiplayer. Yay! Exactly. It's on how you sell it. It's on how you sell it. So you're right. I doubled the price. You're exactly right. I doubled the price, but instead of saying it like I doubled the price, I said it like, "Oh, it's ten dollars a month." Like I have, I've, I've had a problem for the longest time with Xbox One. I don't believe you should play for multiplayer function, uh, pay for multiplayer functionality. I don't think you should pay for apps. Uh, you know, I get getting apps running like Netflix, et cetera, et cetera. Well, when I for you sure don't subscribe agree with to that. them. Uh, I think it's the longest con in the history of video games. I think we're all suckers for coughing up for it every month. If they, uh, or every year rather, if they want to bring some added value, yeah, they should slap the streaming in to playstation plus and place uh, and, and xbox live and but you know what thing about do live. it as an added value and not charge us out the ass for it time and time again multiplayer gaming should not be something that you have to pay an additional fee to access out of your you know out of your console why not oh, that, that, so, no 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 i don't why why not that shit's not free oh i'm sorry no if it's included if it's included in the box as a multiplayer component playing an additional fee to microsoft for what is essentially peer-to-peer access because let's face it the server technology is never any good you know you look at battlefield you look at call of duty their server shit is, is quite shit the matchmaking Marcus, did, did is you hear quite shit. three everything on one is dedicated servers I mean, <laughs> you smell that. I, I agree that it's frustrating, but I feel like it's 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 all it, it's, uh, it's I don't know if an, an endemic. Uh, it's we're in this world where we want everything for free because we used to have it for free, and it's tough because people spend a lot of time making this shit, and there is time spent on the infrastructure. And is five dollars a month like really five dollars a month to have? the best at last gen the best online multiplayer service on consoles like i'm not, i'm not saying why should i pay an additional look if, if microsoft want to put the apps on there great they shouldn't add extra charges for you to get the, the apps running i have a rather large samsung tv in my living room that's internet enabled that has hulu that has crackle that has uh netflix then great now, cancel and, your goal has those in there cancel your- i have to have a, unfortunately i have to have xbox live to be able to play any multiplayer stuff which is absolutely ridiculous well, so then your argument isn't that the apps are behind the paywall because it's you don't care about every, that no, everything everything is behind a fucking paywall all paywall, right this is an old conversation Microsoft. how about some new predictions Star Citizen is going to be a disaster when it comes out. PlayStation 4 is going to outsell the Xbox One by a significant margin worldwide during 2014, and it will also outsell the Xbox One in North America by a smaller margin. Which one do you want us to address first? I don't care. I'm sweating. Star Citizen is going to be... <laughs> I don't care. So what makes I'm you think sweating. Star Citizen... So, so I'm not disagreeing with you about Star Citizen. I think one of the things that's scary to me about Star Citizen is the volume of dollars that have exceeded the original expectation and how far that has driven the the feature creep because feature creep in game design is a real problem and then and now you're talking about a game that was originally looking for a few million dollars and just has like we've just like and there are people out there that are throwing a lot of money at this. If, if you've ever posted anything on Shack News, you've seen threads every single day about how much money people are throwing at Star Citizen for something that's probably not going to be out till about at least 2015. I, I think money is a blessing and a curse, and, and I don't feel like I'm throwing you under the bus, with Jeff. I mean, but your Kickstarter was very successful, and the the it changed the dynamic of the show when it became 
like what you wanted to do with it and what you thought you could do with it. And I think as a game developer too, that has to be a very real yep. and double fine dealt with that. And the other element of it that I think might make it a little bit, well, a disaster is when is the last time we've had a, a space flight combat sim? It, I think a, a lot of it is rose-colored glasses. I haven't gone back to TIE Fighter or X-Wing and played them. I remember them being awesome, but I have a feeling maybe they're not. But this guy helped, I mean, Chris Roberts helped invent the genre. I mean, he basically invented the genre, yep. right? He, but so I, just, I disagree with you on that one. I'd the, go with Dave, I would go with David, David Braben, an elite. Okay, no, I, I would, to me though, I would, I'm well, getting, I, I'm getting a whiff of Derek Smart. I mean, well, that's your own I'm, problem. But uh, and you might be Marcus. You might be the only one who remembers Battle Cruiser. Battle Cruiser. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I remember. Like, I remember the controversy kept, in the UK kept over the getting ads. bigger and bigger. Right. right. And, but oh ni- my god, neither, it's going to be amazing. But neither of those games. I mean, Elite was closer to Wing Commander stuff than and Elite Battle predated Cruiser. it. Yeah, but I don't no, think I, the original I, I, creator that, yeah. makes it a good game. I mean, when is the last revolutionary, awesome first-person shooter that came out of ID? And they it, pioneered. Look, and by the way, not, that was not that was not a knock on Derek Smart. If you go back and look at Derek Smart, he was very he was he was very much a Peter Molyneux. He was very committed to those dreams. He very much was embracing those ideals, wanted to achieve all of those things. And I think that when you start to throw this much money at something, you suddenly think. I've got $30 million. I can do anything. But, I mean, you've seen what they're attempting to accomplish. And even, and even before all this money. Yeah. And and the dollar value based on what they're... And again, this is all speculative. We're not... I, I seriously doubt we see anything final before Q1 2015. I mean, I, I don't think that that's possible. Yeah. But But... You get the lab it, where you can look at your ship. Look, look. I'm willing to. I, I mean, I mean, Chris Roberts has made a lot of games that I really like. Yep. And and it's been a while. And but it it is a genre that he's very very intimately familiar with. He's sort of, you know, not reinventing the wheel, but sort of adding all the spokes and bells and whistles and building the rest of the car around it now. And I don't know. I'm 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 excited. I mean, the thing about it is, I think I think in, in a larger part, and the reason I'm excited about No Man's Sky as well is because that space sim genre, flying around, blasting enemies and stuff, has been something that's been largely ignored for many years, and could be sort of a, you know. Although it's really interesting that you mentioned No Man's Sky because you see everything that they're doing and what they showed off at the VGX, and that's a crew of four people on like a shoestring budget. Well, and now you got is, Star Citizen with about like thirty plus million dollars. This is this is the the problem with funding your games this way is that the conversation becomes about the budget. Whereas most games we play, we have no idea how much money was spent on that. until after. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if we saw half the games that we play if you saw how much money was spent on them you would be like it would be a completely different conversation well if you're looking at the gta 5 budget for example you know right. when they were just like 200 million dollars oh my god there's probably a lot of That's feature it. creep in that game yeah whatever but the 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 idea that that is going to be the is going to be the thing that accompanies every single story about this game is a bummer to me until be- until it comes out and either oh. validates or proves well, all that wrong but that's the thing it'll yeah. either validate or prove it wrong Th- that is the context through which this game will be viewed Unfortunately. it will be reviewed as did it live up to the promise to, and they made that bed that's certainly the bed that they made but it just it just sucks because that's not how most games will have a big or small budget 
based on things that we have no but, access. But to. conversely, you look at Broken Age, right? And it's an adventure game. It's an old school adventure game. They're clearly putting a lot of love and time and effort and sweat and tears into that thing. But it's not, you know, I mean, the amount of money that they raised, they could have probably made a game like, I mean, that game for half the money. Did, did the money go to the voice cast? Did it go to Elijah Wood? Did it go to? No, I think, yeah. I think all of them probably worked for, you know, I, I know Elijah Wood's a fan of Schaefer's and I think that he probably worked for scale or, or free or whatever. I mean, he just wanted to be in the game. But, um, I, I don't know. I, I have, yeah, but Jeff, to your point, I have a hard time, you know, criticizing or damning or, or praising overly either way, a uh, game that hasn't come out yet. That's, you know, just solely based on the fund, it's funds. It's right. raised and they and, didn't, it's not, they didn't do any, I mean, all they did was establish the means for which people to, to donate that money. Th- those people did that of their own volition. So, so Spicer's other question or other prediction raises the PlayStation 4 versus Xbox One in North America fight. Yes. Oh yeah, and I think worldwide it won't be close. I think in the Nor- in North America in 2014, I predict PlayStation 4 to outsell the Xbox One. Um that's assuming and I don't think this will happen. So that's my other prediction is that Microsoft will not abandon the Connect and sell a. Con- they will not sell a Connect list. So let me Xbox let me just give you the very the, the immediate response. The immediate response is Xbox One out of the gate has done very well yep. in this fall, and it is the is the console that arguably has the much stronger early exclusive in Titanfall, which is the first game that really looks like a potential system seller. How how does Xbox One not take that and use it as a the beachhead on which to build a substantial lead against PS4 in 2014? Sure. Um, great question, Garnet. Let me answer it like this. I think my <laughs> biggest weaknesses are my strengths. Um, this is I, not a presidential I debate. Feel like the answer you're looking for is $100 cheaper. I, that's a large part, but I, I'm predicting the future based on the past. And while I know Microsoft has had managerial shakeups and new people coming in, they've continued to show what I think is a disrespect for gamers and the core audience. And they treat them shittily with how they originally pitched the Xbox one and the way they're dumping microtransactions into all of their first party games. And I think there's going to be a tipping point where gamers, can, can de- you really single out Microsoft for that though? Cause you've also seen the same thing happen in uh, GT six most recently. No GT six is microtransactions is a totally different system than Forza five. GT six is a pay to skip ahead and Forza five beats you over the head with it. And totally changed. And now they're, they've reverted it back and whatever, whatever. But Microsoft is constantly playing, we're going to do this. Oh, shit, that fucked up. Now we're going to back but it up. Christian, I think at some point, people are going to get sick of that. Well, that not willing to play ball. I, I mean, honestly, like setting aside the the morality of that or the, the you know, your my opinion about it. This is not about my opinion about those things. The, the truth is, if those things mattered sales wise, we would have already seen that. I don't think so. That's I, not that's not going to bear out over the years. I think you've seen some of it, and I think that's the only reason. You know, that's a large reason why you know the Xbox One didn't even launch larger when it came out. I think that snowball will keep rolling and become uh, a landslide. But I'm perfectly fine I think with you that's guys. The disagree. echo chamber of the people we listen to. I, I think the 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 average gamer is is making completely different value propositions uh, based on what they're what they're buying. And I think that price point is going to be a huge thing. Exclusive games is going to be a huge thing. What they deem to be worthy as far as these other functions that the boxes have. Uh, Which I think the Connect TV stuff is going to be, as more and more people that aren't gamers get exposed to it, it's not as easy 
as it appears to be. I have friends whose parents got one and they're confused by it and befuddled by it. And it's not the way the commercials present it to be. And I I think that stuff's going to catch up. Jeff, so putting you on the spot, then which console do you think will sell more in North America? Because you've kind of argued both sides of the coin. I think PlayStation 4 will will sell more, but not because because gamers are pissed about yada, yada, yada. I think that's all... That's all echo chamber stuff that most people have no idea about and couldn't care less. And the people who do care less about it or who, who do care about it uh, are the people who ha- have already made the purchasing decision. And we and it would have happened in that the hardest of the hardcore, the people who are lining up at the stores on the day it's released are the people who are listening to that stuff and care about it. And those people ha- have already bought either both system or enough that it the... The difference is minimal. All right, let's get the rest of the room's opinion. Marcus, PS4, Xbox One, 2014. Uh, I don't give a shit as long as the games are fantastic. I'm I don't over, give a shit either. I'm over this who won what generation All right, stuff. So, what's your, what, so then give um, us a prediction for 2014 then. What's your prediction? Uh, I'm going to give you a prediction that we will see another relatively big software company go belly up in some way shape or form i don't think I that's think, risky that's i think i uh, know i think we're going to get to the stage that some uh, you know who name uh, names well no there's there's gonna be look there's gonna be a publisher who's gonna try and dick everybody over one last time with whether it be microtransactions season passes whatever else they that they're gonna try and do and it's either gonna bring a franchise crashing to the ground or it's going to bring a company the word's too big to fail. Don't come in. Don't come well, in. Well, I, I mean, I won't disagree. I think Activision and EA are both on the cusp of of falling into huge problems. Activision only have two franchises. They've got, yeah, they're really down to nothing. They're really down to cutting it thin. Yeah, but they're almost ready to just abandon Call of Duty at this point for Destiny because if Destiny really takes off, then that's their new cash cow. Potentially, but that's a big. It's a huge risk, right? I don't think anybody's abandoning Call of Duty. No, I, I don't think they're going to abandon it. I don't think they, I mean, I've already said it. I think that they'll ride Call of Duty into the ground just the way they did. The it's more, more of a prediction for 2015. And admittedly, you're right there. They do. They have this new franchise from Bungie. They have Destiny coming out. So they're up to three franchises. I'd love to know what the sales figures were for Skylanders compared to uh, Infinity. Because I'm sure that took a, a huge chunk out of it. Um, but yeah, with, with I would like to see... Activision, how to turn around and have the stones to say no Call of Duty next year, folks. What what wild card does the Steam Box and the Steam OS throw into this whole equation? Depends on if they have any exclusives. Announce a Left 4 Dead three, Halfway so, three. So even if they announce a couple of Valve exclusives like that, what wild? You have to come on and say what what wild card does it throw in there? Realistically, I'm going to say this: as much as we love the option of what a Steam Box could be of what a Steam OS driven console could be. I think that it is a very, very difficult road to hoe that it that they face a, a, a that they face a marketplace in in the world that Xbox One and PS4 play in that is hard to understand even if you really look even even looking at it and thinking, oh I get it, I get it. No, actually you don't get it. It's really, really big. It's a tremendous world to go wading into and going wading into it with a great platform that worked on somebody else's platform, which, by the way, Steam's a great avenue to get to a platform. But at the end, Steam is an avenue to get to the Windows PC platform. As much as I love Steam, I'm not pooing it. I love Steam. But at the end of the day, the idea that Steam is a platform of itself is a bit of a misnomer. It is an avenue that makes the platform of Windows much more user friendly and to say i'm I'm just going to cut it off i'm going to go over here i'm going to do my own thing it's going to be linux based 
that suddenly really changes how much of an install base you're playing with and what sort of world you're working in. And I'm not sure that it's something that they can hop into the way they're hopping into it. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you actually. Going back to and We want we want to love them. We want to yeah. be we want to be like, "Oh, Steambox is going to be amazing. They're going to put it on the television. I'm going to hook up a controller to it. I'm going to like play it on my television. It's going to be amazing." And I I think that the problem here is that they would have been much strong Steam and Microsoft together are much stronger than Steam and Microsoft fighting each other for who's going to control the the PC as a piece of hardware under your television. Not to mention that the barrier of entry for a Steam machine is just outlandish. It's like about nine hundred and ninety nine for the cheapest one. Oh, there'll be other ones. They've already talked about it. There'll be other. Ones. I find I just find it ironic that Microsoft now want to have this battle with with um, Steam when they should be beg doing everything in their power to keep them on the Windows systems because for the last five years, maybe even longer, all Microsoft has done to PC gamers is shit on them from a very great height. Games for Windows Live was an abortion of a system that was just absolutely repugnant. Uh, when yep. they've brought games when they've brought games out that, you know, Halo came what, two, three years after um, you know, Age of Empires that went up the shitter. The picketers um, I had to walk through to buy games for Windows Live games. I was like, I get it. They had signs with like just pictures of <laughs> Halo Two for PC, and they're like, "This used to be a game on Xbox." And I was like, I just want to buy. But, a no, game. My, my point, my point being, Microsoft hasn't given a shit about the the PC platform. The only reason they give a shit now with Xbox One is they want the second screen experience. They want Surface. They want right. that integrate, integrated. Well, that was my argument as why I think people, why the Xbox One won't be a sales success. Is I, I think it's the same thing. I think they haven't shown favor to gamers in a long time. I will say, I think that, uh, here's a prediction. I think that by the end of 2014, we will have at least one, maybe two television shows that we're all talking about as being amazing that are exclusive to xbox whoa is uh is the one for a quantum break one of them no because their first show the their first show as announced is a documentary on the buried uh extraterrestrial games in the middle of the mexico desert and i don't think that that's going to be a goer i think by the end of 2014 you're going to see a amazon or netflix-esque television push well they really want to get that halo series going don't they? i don't th- i don't think that's a big risk but i don't know if they're willing enough to step outside of their sweet spot of the halo series to get success i'm sure i'm sure the looking at netflix gives them a little bit of encouragement there, but the, the difference is netflix is available on every single absolutely tablet, yep. every single tv and, and even amazon the money to do exactly what netflix did which is pay for top tier talent well amazon has has exclusive series like betas are you watching is anyone no, watching Al- is anyone watching betas no but alpha no. Anybody? No, but Alpha House. Am- Amazon again is on every any accessible tablet. We're talking about stuff that's only going to be on friggin' Xbox One, and I don't think that is something that's going to sell but a they system. They have the money to. They have. I'm not saying it's selling a system. I'm just saying that they have the money to to get top tier talent to make a show. If the Microsoft world doesn't completely turn on its end and spin off all of these divisions and just consolidate. Well, that could definitely That happen. could throw that's a crazy massive sauce. wild card into this whole but thing. But I, I think that's really remote possibility. I, I think that, I don't think it's remote at all. I don't, I, do. I don't think it's probable, but it's not remote. Would it's it not would, remote. Would now be a good time to tell you that I've actually accepted the position as head of Xbox. <laughs> <laughs> 
With your abortion comments that you said in the interview. <laughs> Very well done. That's you exactly. shit on us from a great height. I'd that's, like to be your CEO. That's actually that's actually what they said. They said, you know what? We like the cut of your jib, sir. <laughs> yeah. Nobody come has come in here and said it honestly before. All right, we're winding things down. So, A, it's hotter than hell inside this studio. It really is. And B, all of you in the green room have to come in here and give your predictions to add to the madness. So, everyone, come in and leave the damn door open because it is hotter than Hades. blue blazes in here. Sorry. It does oh, smell yeah. funky. It smells, it that's smells uh, that's called creativity. Here. It is not called creativity. It's, it's called, it's called, it's it's called that the... Well, our the the brains are kind of sizzling in here. Yeah. We were having a very interesting... Guys, right. guys. So we're, we're I still think stuff. that... I still in. think that it's going to be an interesting competition between the two consoles. And I still think that, like, here are the predictions I have. I have that if Nintendo were progressive and went indie-focused, that they have a huge opportunity in Wii U because I don't it's think that's everywhere. the way to go. But, I don't, I, I but, do, you, but do you think it's not going to sell th- with uh, Mario Kart 8 and Smash I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it... No. Why I mean, I think I think it's just that still... It, it'll do, but they're still consolidating their base. I think that Xbox is still going to be successful in North America because the TV play is really working. The TV play is working with casual consumer. The TV... If you look at the way it's selling right now, already in the fall, the, the TV play works. And I think Sony will counter, but I don't think Sony has... They haven't lined up the relationships to have a good, strong counter against that. So they'll keep doing what they've been doing, which is pushing on PlayStation Plus and making PlayStation Plus a fantastic value option, which will make gamers really happy. What's the surprise Nintendo game that is announced? Metroid on uh, 3DS. That's not a surprise. A 2D top-down Zelda game for Wii U. So 2D top-down Zelda game from James Stevenson. Okay, Andrew, Shane... Jason, Andrea, come hop on a mic. Tell us your predictions. Yes, Spicer, you got to get over here too. What was your what was Spicer's? He predicted uh, uh, Armageddon. Star Armageddon. Oh, Star I'm Citizen. Star. Yeah, that's Star right. Citizen. That's right. Okay, so Andrew, get down there. What are yours? You guys got to come around here to mics. Are you can't just stand there. Follow floor. That is not a. That is Wrong. not a. That is not a. T- you Going think this year? There, huh? Come on, Andrew. You've got something more Moxie-ish than that. Well, Give me something strong. No, I think that there has been a really big rumor mill lead up, and I think that Bethesda's going to announce something soon. I know that James wanted to say that their Christmas card had a follow-up teaser on it, but that was actually a teaser. It was actually an, uh, a reference to The Evil Within. If you guys remember the Vine teasers that Bethesda put out earlier before they announced The Evil Within, everyone was like, ooh, it's full of, that it turned out to be this... Um, this horror survival Wait, so are you saying the Evil Within is an elaborate ploy to announce Fallout 4? The yes. Evil Within is actually Fallout 4 set in Japan. Oh, wow. It's not Boston. No, wait, look, it's, um, it, wait, it's the Phantom Pain. They're doing, they're doing a Kojima, aren't they? There is, um, I, I, look, I don't think uh, Bethesda... I mean, Bethesda have denied that there is no Fallout, you know, Fallout 4 in 2014. They have three titles coming out next year in Wolfenstein, The Elder Scrolls Online, and The Evil Within. That is way that's a Wait, lot well, for them. Oh, so is, yeah, the, is the parameter that it must release in 2014 or be announced in 2014? You can make whatever prediction whatever you want. You, you can make whatever prediction you want. Prediction. You just said Fallout because, 4 in 2014. No, because Bethesda announces games and then doesn't release them for years. That's what my, happens. I predict one of the games that will be on my best of 2014 list. Yes, Mirror's Edge Two. Boom! Oh. Boom! That okay? There you go. See, that's how you do it. Shane, chop in here and give us a prediction. Oh, wait, and so mine was bad? Yeah, no, yeah pretty much. Yeah. Yours was fantastic. Yeah. Yours, yeah. Was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yours was kind of predictable. My prediction is that this is the year that esports blows up, and by the end of the year, esports will be on ESPN. Uh, Lies. Which ESPN? ESPN, the Ocho? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. That would be a breakthrough for esports. 
That would that, that would be a breakthrough for esports. It's true. Jason, what do you think? Uh, my prediction is not software based. My prediction is that second screen is going to take over the uh, home environment. No, nope. hmm. disagree. Destroy and, all your second and, screens. And, and, and They're trying to take over your home. <laughs> <laughs> James, did you? You James, you already sort of gave one. You gave your two D. Well, wait, wait. Well, before he gives his, does anybody in this room use a second screen experience on a regular basis? Anybody? Well, describe, de- define it because when I mean, I'm taking a shit, looking at Twitter while I'm watching the football game happens. No, every I'm, week. when I say second screen, I mean a, a companion experience to the game you're what playing. I, I've used, I use, I've definitely no, used Snap TV, but but I would say I've used the uh, the Dead Rising Three app quite a bit. Uh, but they locked content. I use I use the Assassin's Creed, uh, the Assassin's Creed Four Black Flag I, app, I which is very interesting, and I think Watch Dogs is Watch Dogs is probably. Do you the use game. Kenway's fleet? Because that's kind of cool, and it added it, it's additive to the game mechanic. Yeah, make some cash while you're out. And I think yeah. Watch Dogs will probably also have something very cool. But I also think that you know, if second screen does prove very successful, that's a huge way back for Nintendo on the Wii U. All right, Ozzy, you have the last one. You have the last what? word, Ozzy. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't oh, have and, one either. Wait, I thought you, oh, Andrew, Andrew and Ozzy have the last word. So Ozzy first. Oh well, I'll let Andrew go because no, I, no, I, no. I wait. Wait, I have a little one too. Oh, okay. We have the whole end of the table: Ozzy, Jeff, and Andrew. Uh, uh, look, J- Jeff, go first while I think of something. Uh, okay, uh, two real quick ones. Uh, one of which was rehashed a lot last segment. I think monetization is going to be a huge knuckle dragging fight between. You know, gamers are really going to suffer. There's going to be a lot of people trying to figure out how to what the sweet spot is, and there's going to be a lot of missteps. Um, so just you know, hang tight until everyone figures that out. And the other thing I want to predict is that everyone in this room. We'll be playing Mugenics when it comes out, even though they. Yeah. I'm ready. Think I'm, I think Sign I'm on crack for mentioning it. No. Anyway, that's it. All right. I, I guess I'll go with a quick one. I think that the YouTube fiasco just goes completely nuts, and uh, it gets to a point where someone actually decides to make a completely different service that is dedicated to gamers. Nope. Well, no. He said. He said. He said it was dedicated uh, to gamers. Uh, I think my prediction... Okay, so the easy one, Grand Theft Auto Five for PS4, PC, and Xbox One. All right. Uh, yeah, really easy. Uh, Predictable. Wii U, go on, save for the Wii U. But I, uh, the other other prediction, I think Steambox will be a flop. I'm going to say 2014 is the year of Oculus Rift. It finally becomes a thing. Well, nope. they got enough VC money. Yeah, I know. They got, what, 40 million, 47... 47- million. 75? Seventy-five million. That's a lot of. I'm going to make. I'm going gonna... to make another prediction that in 2014 Jeff will not stop making predictions, and we'll get to 2015, and he still won't have got any right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was yours? Wow. <laughs> uh, like James, get in there. James has made it. I was asked what the crazy Wii U game would be or the surprise Wii U announcement, and oh, that's yeah, that was my. Down. Did you have another one, James? Top down. Um, I think that. Uh, well, I'll I'll say this. I think that both next gen consoles are going to do exceptionally well Agreed. and continue to do that into this next year. Um, but I do think that Titanfall is going to be a revelation for a lot of people and is going to be the game that really is kind of the first game on a next gen platform that is a killer app for uh, Xbox One or PS4. And I think everyone should be really, really looking forward to it because I think it's sort of, I don't know. I mean, it feels, it reminds me of that kind of first time you were playing Call of Duty 4. And mm-hmm. um, to I, become I, another game that sets a standard that other people point to. I think so. Hmm. All right. Well, I have one more prediction. This is actually an easy prediction because I already know the outcome. That <laughs> prediction is that by February, we can confirm we'll become an independent podcast. 
Mm-hmm. And hopefully those of you out there who are listening will be part of that. Don't know exactly uh, what course that will take, but I want to thank everybody who's here in the room and everybody who is listening to the show right now for uh, many, many years of your support. And we're going to figure out how to talk to you about that. But at the end Wait, of... What, what does it mean that you're an independent podcast? It means that... that Jeff's in, on every show? Yes. It means that we don't have anybody to pay the bills anymore. <laughs> It means that at the end of January, uh, Gamefly is no longer going to be paying for Weekend Confirmed. I'm going to buy the game. I'm going to buy the name. Uh, so I'll own Weekend Confirmed. And Jeff and I have talked about we're gonna it. We're going to figure out a way to we're keep We're going to figure out something. For you. Um, and you guys can contribute to this. So it's not necessarily a done deal. We'll do a Kickstarter. Actually, Jeff had some idea about a... a yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure, we'll figure something out. out. We'll talk. To we'll you figure something out because should have been doing this since 2006. Might as well keep on doing it. I don't know how to do anything else. Will there still be peanut M and M's? There will. Sure, well, why not? Of course, that can, that you bleed me dry with your peanut M and M's. If you bring them, there will be peanut M and M's, James. Them. I don't like this bringing my own peanut M and M's thing. <laughs> I'll get you some stinking peanut. M&Ms. I was told there would be peanut M and M's. This uh, it's in our writers. We're we're almost to, to episode two hundred, Garnett. That's right. We'll make High it through two hundred. We'll make it through two hundred. And uh, we, this this community of people that are all in this room right now is what makes the show possible and makes it special. And, oh, uh, that's and what I specifically and said that because Spicer's in the other room. Um, you could have been in this room. You left. <laughs> uh, and the people who listen to it are the other piece of the puzzle, the essential piece of the puzzle. And uh, we we are grateful to each and every one of you that downloaded this and and endured this <laughs> this train wreck episode that is so close to our hearts because it's all about our friends and our love of what we do and our passionate uh debates about about all these things. Uh thank all of you for for listening. Thank you Garnet for being the ringleader and the El Capitan and and defiant the, uh, leader. Defiant, the defiant leader. So God bless us, we everyone. Love. It's gonna it's gonna take more than no money to stop us. <laughs> That's right. It's just like running. You know, get hit by a car. Fuck it. I'm gonna go run again. Shit, the quality of the audio may very well go down drastically because the guys here at, uh, at Atlantis, at, group, Atlantis are group are amazing, and we have been so lucky to be able to produce this show professionally with such high quality audio engineering and uh, facilities and peanut M and M's that they provide. Let's be honest, they provide them. They do provide us. them. Uh, so, so uh, thanks everybody. Thanks to all of the support we've had. Thanks to Atlantis Group. Thanks to everybody who showed up for the show. Thank you for listening. Hope you've had a fantastic holiday. We will be back with a brand new show next week. The brand new show will also have the first week of playoffs tailgate. Playoffs? Yeah, I playoffs. Knew. Wanted to let you get that in. Oh, oh, he's sniping about the Niners already. Niners will not be out by then. The Cardinals, though, they'll probably be out mm-hmm. by then. All right. Thanks very much. And do you guys want to say it? You did it last time. You also do this time. We are are ghosts. This podcast is brought to you by Doghouse Systems, elite gaming PCs engineered by gamers and for gamers. 
Use code TGIF to get a free weekend confirmed t-shirt and a $30 credit for slashloot.com. Go to www.doghousesystems.com to see what system is right for you.